right. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 50 of Hot Take from the Kitchen. So we've reached another milestone. And it is April 29th, 2019. And you can find this on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And our email address is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. And no new emails this week, so we'll get into things. Our guest tonight is Casey Stutzman, owner of Performance Locker. So welcome, Casey. What's up, Brad? Former guest. Bring him back on. So I'm happy to be back. Excited to have you on. <clears throat> and the whole podcast. Oh, yes. Littering and... And... Well, <laughs> I mean, Brad's like, well, he's a lot of things. He wears a couple different hats. Littering so. and... <laughs> What are you looking for me from? <laughs> Sexiest yeah. man alive? <laughs> oh, yeah, a podcast. Yeah, all right, yeah. He, does have a, he does have a podcast that he's released since the last time he's been on, so we'll talk about that. I, yeah, and we will talk about that because I think it's one of the, definitely one of the things I wanted to talk about today. So Yeah, it's a funny topic because it's like art imitating life, imitating art. Yeah. It's a funny story. Yeah, it, yeah it's perfect. Right. So. All right, I guess we'll get into the hot take topics. And we'll start off with John Singleton died today at the age of 51. He had a major stroke last week, and he's been on life support since then, and his family decided to take him off. So I guess that's really sad. He was a good filmmaker. He'll come up later in our top five. At least on my end. So, did, did your top five get amended after the news? No. So you're like, it was pretty much set in stone for me. That's timely. But that's interesting. So yes. Um, those who don't know, why don't you explain the? Oh, I mean, he's known for one really good movie. Well, he, uh, he's known for a couple, but yeah. his the major one he's known for is Boys in the Hood. Yeah. So and he was the first. African American director to be nominated for an Oscar for that movie. Yeah. That I didn't know. Yes. Really? Yeah. Huh. So, yeah. So was, was that original screenplay? No, it was director. Oh, okay, director. All right. Yeah. I, I uh, Nolte was nominated for best picture in that. Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think so either. Yeah. So it's a sad day for movie lovers, I guess. I was watching. I don't know what I was watching today. And it was Ice Cube was talking about John Singleton, and he was talking about um, he did not want to do that, like become an actor. He's like, I'm a rapper. This is what I do. And uh, John Singleton, he said that Singleton saw something in the Ice Cube that he didn't, that Ice Cube didn't see in himself, really? essentially. And Ice Cube's like, I'm good dog type of thing, you know. And then, long story short, John Singleton. Ice Cube had him draw the whole thing out. Like, this is how the scene's going to be. This is who you're going to play. Then there's going to be this scene. This is how it's going to play. And this is how you fit in and all that. And the reasons why. And then Ice Cube's like, okay, all right, I'll do it. So it was kind of a cool story. Did you see it? You're nodding your head. Oh, okay. I was just nodding. Oh, okay. All right. No, I just, it was. um, Because Ice Cube was perfect for that role. Oh, and I I think everybody that was cast in that, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. We can talk about it later. 
Yeah, well, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I, and I think that's a great point. Is that so, some foreshadowing? Yeah, it yeah, is. We'll just leave it there. You're right. We'll unpack it later. So, all right. I guess we'll transition into the NBA playoffs. And first round is over now. We're into the second round. Yeah. So, all the. No major upsets in the first round. No, but what I love, it's my favorite thing about it. I don't think there's any upsets. Yeah. It's my favorite thing about the NBA versus college basketball. So college basketball, it's like this, for <clears throat> lack of a better term, a magic eight ball of you don't really know who it's going to do. You have a good idea, an educated yeah. guess, but the NBA playoffs, the way they play seven-game series, the best teams are usually going to right. advance in that scenario. So. Pretty much everybody that we thought was going to make it is there, which is kind of exciting. Um, do you watch last night's game, the Colton State? No. Okay. Houston's really whiny today. Really? Um, when aren't they whiny? Well, and that's because Golden State's whiny too. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's kind of something that a lot of people are just like almost turned off by it this morning. How much whining both sides, especially Houston, Harden kept doing this thing where he would shoot. And then at first, they said the first, like the first half, he would jump straight up and then Draymond would kind of get underneath him a little bit or Clay Thompson, people were getting underneath yeah. him. And then he was thinking it should be a foul. And then it came down to a last second, not a last second shot, but it was a close game. And it came down to some final possessions and Harden shot a three and he did his goal. I'm going to stick my legs out far as in front of you as I can. And they didn't call it. And, uh, yeah, first there was some, a hubbub about that at the landing zone. Yeah, the jump shooter. You know, I've never ever when I, this is the one that Harden's really upset about, which I understand. When I jumped in the air, and Lord knows I don't jump very far or high, but I jump pretty vertically. And when you watch that replay, there is no way James Harden is planning on landing on his feet when he when he's coming down. The minute he's at the apex of his jump. His feet are at least at a 45-degree angle. He are legs. He is putting on coming. He is guaranteed, or he is hoping that he's going to land on someone so he gets a foul. It was his full intention of it. And I don't see how you could ever, yeah. So I heard that another thing was if James Harden wouldn't flop around all the time trying to draw fouls, it'd be a whole lot easier to see when he's actually fouled. Yep. So that's another valid point. Can I ask a, 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 a non-initiated question? Yeah. This is gonna might be very elementary, but like, no. what are your thoughts on like the length of NBA playoffs? It's a great question. So seven game series, every single round. How many? Six rounds? Uh, so it was eight. Four. Four. Four rounds. Yeah, four rounds. Four rounds. Seven game series. All like for for a fair weather fan at best. It almost seems like too much. You know what I mean? I I could agree. To like that. I think that's why more people who don't watch basketball like jump into something like the NCAA tournament is because I, I can imbibe this thing that is burns really hot for a relatively short period of time. There's some excitement and and I completely agree with what you're saying. Better teams going to win in a best of seven game series, but it it just yeah. I mean, so here it's going to be mid June before this is over, right? Yeah, and we're in April. Right. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. It's a very valid point. Well, the first round used to be best of five. Which makes sense. I would even say best of three, and then best of five second round, and then... But they changed the, like, the beginning of the 2000s, 
because they wanted more money probably. So as like hardened basketball fans, do you like it? Do you like having the playoffs that long or does it drag out a little bit? And you're like, yeah, I wouldn't mind if this was a little shorter. You know what the best part about what he just said there is I thought he was calling me a James Harden fan. And I was like, oh. wait. <laughs> He said hard. I, I, was like, I was like, well, wait a minute. Just so we're on this podcast. I'm not necessarily a fan of James Harden, but I mean, uh, you go ahead. I was like, just wait, go ahead with the question. But wait, I just wanted to like, whoa, whoa. Was get, that wrong? Don't get carried away there. I want to go first. I think it's dragged out too long. Mm. It starts in April and doesn't end until June. It's a little much. It seems like a lot. Yeah. It's almost, it feels like it's another whole season right of basketball right that's where I, my problem is with it therein lies the problem for me is, is that and brad will agree with this the regular season and the playoffs are even refereed differently so what happens is you have two forms of basketball being played you have an 82 game season where no one cares what's going on really everybody's just making their money everybody's just having fun Nobody's really playing defense. I think the majority of the time it's people not trying to get hurt, stay healthy mm-hmm. for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then the playoffs gets here, and now we're trying hard. Everybody's actively playing against each other, defense, and it shows. So it's like now it's actually exciting to watch the basketball games, you know. And now, whereas, like, you could watch a, a game in early January of no, no one can no – neither team does care, especially if they're on a back-to-back-to-back. Right. Um, that Boston Celtics Milwaukee series. I watched that the other. I don't know if you saw that. I watched some of the game yesterday. The game was amazing. Like Milwaukee's been one of the best teams in the East all season, and Boston's had their ups and downs. And Boston just took it right to them. I mean, just absolutely. They shut down Giannis. And I I watched that game, and you know they they're saying. I mean, I know you're not a big NBA fan, so I'll be fast. But there was talks. <coughs> that Giannis is the or Giannis is the best player in the NBA. <coughs> and I was like, how is this guy the best player in the NBA? I seriously watched it. I was like, there's no way this guy's the best player in the NBA. I don't know if it was just a bad game or what. But oh no, I agree. And yes. he might come on and score fifty points next he game. just tore the pistons up. Yeah. Like they were nothing and I mean sure the pistons were hurt, but what he was doing against the Pistons was pretty impressive, but what he did against Boston was really unimpressive. So, I don't know. I think it was just a fluky game. I guess we'll see. Yeah, and we'll see. I, I think Boston does some things really well that the Pistons obviously can't do. And the first one's depth. And the second thing is is that I think Boston was perfectly okay with letting Giannis get his fifty points. Like you, you go ahead and score fifty points. We're not going to let it. one other person on this team that will get going. You're going to have to literally carry this team yourself, and we're going to follow you every time you get in the paint, or we're going to bump you. You know, and that's what I mean. That's what I was trying to say. The NBA is it's totally different. You know, mm-hmm. before they let this guy, you know, the guy gets stuck in the key, everybody steps back, go ahead, dump the ball, and then we're all going to work back on defense. And you know, the other day, I think Giannis was not ready for the physicality of just mm-hmm. NBA playoff basketball. Like every time he got in the key, instead of that step backwards. It was a guy with a forearm on, on his body, guys leaning on him, grabbing him, holding him, all that stuff. All that stuff during the regular season, A, no one does, and B, no one cares about, is now all happening. And it's, I mean, for me, I love it. Because is he a first-year <clears throat> player? No. He's fourth or fifth. Okay. <clears throat> Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. About that. He's a, unbelievable. 
He's okay. one of those players that he's a transcendent player only from the aspect of he's almost seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. He is really, really long. <clears throat> yeah, freakishly. <laughs> just and fast and supremely athletic, you know, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in him and five more years. If like Russell Westbrook, I think we're gonna see him in the next couple of years just kinda Well they were I just listened to the podcast today and they were talking about it. Um, he's just not the player he was before. But, and you, you can't be. You can't just go 99 miles per hour. Allen Iverson, Russell Westbrook, these players are the same type of players. And Giannis is kind of that same way. You hopefully, you kind of hope he reinvents himself. The only difference between him and all these other guys, we just said, so those guys are like 6'3", 6'4". Giannis is almost seven feet tall. So. Giannis can get a jump shot. I think he'll be unstoppable. There's a lot of talk that he's already unguardable, but obviously he's not. Boston can shut him down like they did. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of basketball. If you put your hands there, you don't move your feet. It's the Roy Hibbert defense. Yes. Just go straight up. Yeah, just go straight up. And that's all Boston did. They made sure they weren't in that little blocked-off zone now they had, and they all just made sure that they were standing there with their hands up and they weren't going to move. And Giannis would go flying into them, and then, like I said, the regular season – that was a foul, and he would go to the line and shoot his free throws. But we're playing playoff basketball now, and we're not just – yeah. What Giannis needs to do is just go there and just dunk the snot out of it every time because he can do that. He can literally seriously take off from the free throw line and just dunk over right. it. And every time he gets that ball, one step in the paint, he just needs to go up and try to just yoke it on him. And I mean, he's going to get sore. And so what the Pistons did to Jordan in the 80s, I remember – I know you were – I mean, they just beat the snot out of Jordan. That's what he's – he's going to have seven games – if they're going to win yeah. seven games of him, just getting the snot beat out of him. So. All right. Good discussion. All right. This will talk some end game. You want to do? Yeah. I don't know if you want to get into any spoilers or anything. No, I, I guess it's more for no, Jason. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't leave. care. I'll like leave. You. But like you and like Casey, <laughs> who are, have an idea of what's going on here, we could talk about, large arcs here without spoiling anything. So we do know that this is going to be, this is kind of the bow tie to the current Marvel. This is, they've taken 11 years to get to this movie. Yeah. Like this is the culmination of over a decade of well thought out, well placed storytelling where each thing is feeding the next thing. Like we are seeing that we've, we've never seen this in film before. If you really think about it, like, the only other franchise that can touch what Marvel's done in the current MCU is James Bond. Where you're talking 20 plus movies over the course of many, many, many years. But even then, it's not the same thing. Like They would reinvent. Oh, uh, yeah. every few years you get a new Bond. You get a new, like, and everything gets reinvented and tweaked. It hasn't been a continuous storyline that's told like, like a comic book. Yeah. And that's the thing that's killing me is that like everybody... Everybody's so wowed by like what the MCU has done cinematically. I'm like, they've been doing this for decades. They've just done it in a different medium. Yeah. The difference was, is back in the day, there's a really cool interview with Kevin Smith where he talks about this, where I'm, so I'm not going to go into depth. And it's, it's about, did you ever hear about the Nicolas Cage Superman movie that yes. never got made? So it's all surrounding that. So I, without belaboring that point, but so there was a period in time Hollywood people wanted nothing to do with comic book people because they weren't quote movie people. 
because Kevin had recommended. Or even actors. It would, oh. You would lose some of your acting credibility by yeah. portraying that. But even like, so when they came to Kevin Smith to do the script for Superman Returns or whatever the movie was called, um, the Nicolas Cage one, he's like, why don't you talk to the guys at DC? Like, they're kind of good at this. Like, oh, no, no, no. We need movie people. Like, so finally when comic book people were able to break in Kevin Feige, who's worked at Marvel for decades, and all they're doing is taking the formula there and they're transferring it over to here where they're telling a soap opera and everything ties in and there's Easter eggs and this connects with this and this character shows up here and it, it creates this long, intricate story that all of us who just were, were on the edge of our seat for. So it's been amazing to see the whole thing just play out. And I was looking at the box office numbers today and it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's by far just running away with the whole 1.2 billion opening weekend worldwide. 350 million opening weekend domestic. And can you guess what the number two movie was that they beat? Uh, probably Shazam. Infinity War. Or, uh, the, uh, <laughs> okay, <yeah>. And <laughs> yeah. they doubled their numbers. Yeah. So it's really cool. Like you see that and you're like, wow, I bet it's a great movie. And I don't know what, if everybody truly appreciates like what it took to get here. I don't like the movie. Really? And, but my problem is, so, Leading up to this, Brad, I think I might have had a light text conversation about okay. a little bit, but I had mainly had with Matt Wyshynski. He called me up last Thursday morning. Now, in all fairness, I haven't seen it yet. I was with the family this weekend. Yeah. Super busy. So, like, I'm going to go see it this weekend in Cleveland yeah. in a really nice theater. He goes, hey, I need you to come with me. I want to go. And I'm like, I don't want to go see this. I'm like, I, or really, I don't want to do with all the opening night BS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair I'll enough. I'll be crowded and scrunched up. Yep. Just like, yep. I'm not that excited about it. He's like, how are you not excited? They've been really loving Which is years. a valid question. Yeah, he goes, and I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you why. Just because ever since Civil War happened, I have lost. It, it just took Which me we out. talked about a little which, bit. Which we have. So I said, well, look, I'm, I have a difficulty separating what is the written story Source line. material. From the, the movies storyline. I go, what I'm about to watch is a movie storyline coming in. And yeah. I'm fine with that. Yes. I go, but my problem is, is that these, the, they've, they've cherry picked what they've wanted and what Did works you read well. Infinity Gauntlet? Yes. Okay. Okay. They've cherry picked. See, I want to say something. Don't, I, don't do I it. I won't. There was a, I was, how, how can I say this? There was, I have a really big problem with Infinity Gauntlet and this whole thing. And okay. I, won't, I won't tell you okay. what it is. We, okay. If you want to, some I don't know. After Cleveland, come back. Maybe we'll go on yours. Maybe we'll have a pod on yours. So crossover we, event. Yeah, and we can, And then after you come back, Brad, you see this weekend. You can see this weekend. We could, and then we could talk. I'm in. There, there was one. Something almost happened right in the beginning. That I was like, I had a, just this brief moment where I was like, "Is okay, I'm ready. Like, give it to me." Like the whatever you want, the comic enthusiast or whatever, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. give this to me and I'm in. I'm ready. Like all, and then they didn't give it to me, which is okay. But I know I get it. I understand. Like we've talked about this, like with Batman movies. Like yeah. that's something I'm very connected to the source material. So it's tough to disconnect from that thing you love so much and and understand like it's in a different medium. Yeah. Whereas you know, growing up. It was pretty much like I cherry pick X-Men books every now and again. Spider-Man was the main Marvel book that I read. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it's there's nothing so strong source material throughout any of this through line that I'm so tied to that I'm like, oh, you didn't do it right yeah. or you didn't do it this way. So for me, I've been able to more realistically look at it and say, well, it's a different medium. Therefore, the story should be different. Well, And, and there's different things at play. Let's be real honest because you know, I know you're a Spider-Man guy. 
they had like three versions of Spider-Man from like the 1960s on. So like right. they couldn't even agree on how they could even write Spider-Man. So Agreed. like someone, one per, one version, the web came out of his wrist. The one version he had to make the right. web come out. So like, I get it. So I, I'm along with that. Do I think they did a great job of tying it all together? Yes. I love the fact that they still left everything open where they could still manipulate things around, which yep. is true. And to, to a better point of what you said, when you read a comic book and they they reference a character, they, there's usually like a little yellow box will say, See, issue so-and-so. Yeah, X-Men 15, right. you know, where it says, hey, if you might not be educated on this, this is the first time you're picking this up. Go back. This is where you need to go find so you can get the background on this. And they did a lot of that. Neat little things there That's where cool. you're like, hey, you might want to take a five minutes and go back and watch the second Iron Man movie. Just, you know, and, and visual. And Just so, don't go back and watch the third one. <laughs> Whatever you do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Which somehow still on Rotten Tomatoes was better rated than Batman versus Superman. You're going to have to explain that one to me. Not you personally, because I know you didn't do it, but whoever they are. Well, we, and this we can talk <laughs> about then really quick, too. So I, Brad, and I had a quick conversation about the campiness of Marvel versus the, the gothicness of DC. Right. And I said the campiness wore on me at some point throughout that for this movie. Fair enough. And I don't think it was... The movie, I think, was the fact that I was stuck in the Alpina Theater in a really uncomfortable seat for three hours. You know, that's and, fair. Yeah, which, yeah, I mean, anytime you're just like, oh my god, like. Well, I mean, I, I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or just candidly, but uh, that was my biggest problem with Justice League. Is so they bring in Josh Whedon to finish out what Snyder had done, and I loved the the tone and the tonal nature of Batman versus Superman. I felt like it was truer to the characters, it was truer to the to the publications. I liked it. And I was like, and if I want bright, sunny, cheery, chuckly, Marvel's got that. Like, it's cool. Like, that thing is already there. Show me something else. Yep. And so I loved the direction that DC was taking that was, was more gothic. It was darker. It was grimmer. And it plays to those characters better. And so when Whedon came in to finish up Justice League and tried to make it lighter, two Avengers, yeah. that, eh, like, yeah. that's where I got lost yeah. is – that's that was for me like i will still defend batman versus superman i still love that movie and i've seen it a handful of times and i'm like i i personally like it i think it holds up do you like batman versus superman i i would appreciate your opinion from two reasons one i know you have really no ties to batman or superman like emotional ties like casey and i do and two you're a movie guy i thought it was all right i can understand why people the reason i liked it so much is because I felt like it was the one comic book movie that was made for people who read comics. Like, instead of all this exposition and explaining everything, they're like, you know what? If you're sitting in that seat, we're going to assume you know these things. We're just going to keep going. I liked that. I can completely see how some people would not. That's just my take. I like both. I've, I've liked really what DC's done lately. I didn't really, really like Aquaman. I loved Aquaman. I mean... I, I dug it. I think again, it was because it kind of got marvelly. Maybe it's because though but it was just fun. Maybe the lens was so bright and cheery, and you're just not used to that, whatever. But I was um, just excited, like for the first time in my life, Aquaman was not a joke. Yeah, he so, wasn't a dude riding around on a seahorse talking to fish, or like the punchline of a Family Guy episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. I I just thought that was cool. I'm like, way to go! Like you've taken something that was not relevant that no one gave a shit about. And gave it its due. You gave it its due. Yeah. Of course, the, the brilliance in that movie, it's got a superhero in the title. 
Therefore, all your tickets to all your nerds are pre-sold. They figured out a way to also get the nerds' moms to show up. And they're like, Johnny, I think I'm going to take you to see that Aquaman movie with that fella in it. So, yeah, the fact that they got, you know, they sold a bunch of extra tickets based on that alone. I can't fault them for it. I I loved – I just – I tend to like the DC movies better than Marvel. And I think you hit it right on – they tend to follow the comics a little bit better. They do. Or maybe they – mean something i i am still butthurt over civil war and i know i can't get over it and the problem with it is that those things that i'm butthurt about civil war they echo through everything else that's going on understandable because it was a huge pivotal moment right and i get it so like i have i had a problem with affinity war i have a problem with endgame because it's just how i am i have right i've had a problem <laughs> with that moment where they decided not to, to follow certain storylines mm-hmm. again i get it it's an adaptation it's it is true. Bad. Yeah, I get to go and, and I get it. it. I mean, like I said, but I don't have to be happy about it. I don't have to sit here and act like, oh my God, Avengers is the best thing because the best thing that I've seen on any type of medium happened last night. Game of Thrones. So very rarely in the history, so I'm pivoting us in the best oh, way we possible. Need to hurry up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll pivot fast, or we'll end it, then we'll come back. So very few things in my life that time when I watch stuff like this live up to what I think it's what they build it up to be when you're like, Oh my gosh, like Endgame for you. When you were like, this is going to be, you know, like, yes, yes, come on. yes. I walked out of Endgame feeling like you could have done a lot more, especially okay. for three hours, whether it was, you left some stuff on the floor, whether it was, you could have whatever, cause I don't want to spoil for anyone, but I just felt like, yeah, you gave me exactly what I thought you gave me. That's how I walked out of there. Them sons of bitches last night in Game of Thrones gave me everything I freaking wanted. Popcorn, Whoppers, Goobers, and I mean, they exceeded my expectations. Did they not exceed yours? I was a little torn on it. I mean, I, I, I like the episode. There's just some things I. Was this the series finale? No. No. No, This was the big battle, though. Like, they have. Is this the final season? Yes. Yes. It's leading towards. Mm -hmm. Okay. I had one problem with last night. What was it? Couldn't see what was going on at the yeah. time. Yeah. So, like, well, I think the, I, I know that was probably what they were going for. Right, hundred percent. There was winter coming, and yeah, it, it was, was hard to see. It was like snow and dark. They're fighting at night, and you're you after time to watch. Like, who, who is that? Is that you know? I mean, you could just is it Jamie? I don't know. I can't tell. Is, is the person dead? Are they alive? Did the person just get stabbed? Was it a good guy or a bad guy? You just, I think they they did that on purpose. Yeah, hundred percent. The next episode, they're going to show everybody who lived besides the two people who two main characters that died it was brilliant i mean it was brilliantly told it was brilliantly shot um i, I had a discussion with matt shinsky today you're you're all right we talk about this we're not spoiling anything so i have not jumped on the bandwagon yet mm-hmm. but just so we're clear like i'm totally cool with people who are yeah i don't want to be that contrarian that's like oh game of thrones you're so stupid just because i haven't watched oh it no i just meant like if i talk a little about it, but it's just funny like in this day and age like if people don't watch something they feel the need to like condemn those who do yeah, no, it's like oh no 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 game of th- it's just it's lame or blah like yeah. so i don't I, make fun of you guys for reading comic books yeah so. I, I i agree i, I think don't it's awesome i don't understand why like if someone's not into something you have to like pick fun at it i mean i i i have had my fair amount of hbo guilty pleasure shows and i know the caliber of tv that they are capable of doing so i can completely understand people's enthusiasm it's just yeah i haven't personally gotten into it mary beth has if I can sit through Vanderpump Rules with Allison and at some point relate to these people 
that I just think are the dumbest humans on the planet, then I'm okay. I'm okay with everything. Because like I said, I'll sit there and cheer for Shep or whoever these freaking people are because I've spent enough time I'm partially emotionally invested in them. Then I can have the Game of Thrones or Star Wars or whatever the heck it is. So we're going to stop. We'll finish. Because, yeah. All right. All right, so we'll jump back in. So I was talking with Matt, and I said, Matt was kind of upset that they didn't see more of the battle, like, on the field. And I was like, so you wanted Lord of the Rings stuff, like Middle Earth on the Planescape, Legless, and all that stuff. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, it was more two towers right? It was more you were in the castle, and there was all that stuff going on. I go, so you just got to take it for what it is. And he's like, no, I'm not saying it was bad. I was just like, but no, I understand. I go, Really, I think it was brilliant on their part because, like, to shoot those big scoping scenes with horses everywhere, that that ain't cheap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved how it all started out with the Dothraki getting the yeah. swords on fire and then them charging. You see all this light because you have John and Daenerys' viewpoint, and then the lights go out because they're all getting killed. Yeah, and you hear them screaming. Oh, yeah, and then they're all – then. Some are running back, and it's nice to see Jorah come back. I liked how the episode before, we knew what their plan was going into this battle. We knew, like, okay, we're going to be here. This is going to happen, and when this happens, we're going to do this. And then, just like life, it didn't go according to plan. And then, of course, you know. Daenerys hops on the dragon. Now she's like, okay, she the whole plan. The yeah, whole she plan. Just, plan. <laughs> we don't even care about the plan anymore. Everybody just do whatever the hell you want. So, um, And then the Unsullied get annihilated pretty much. Yeah. So I like the episode. They did a lot. And they killed off two people. Which probably needed to, at least, probably needed to kill more. Yeah, at least kill. I mean, we, we might have more people dead. We don't know. Uh... I think it's just secondary characters that were yeah. killed. I mean, Leor and Mormont, that was kind of cool while she was yeah. getting crushed by the giant, but then he, she stuck the thing in his eye. And But uh, Theon and Jorah were both killed. Yeah. So we pretty much knew Theon was going to die. Yeah. It was obvious. He I thought that. for a minute he was going to get like some redemption. I mean, he got redemption. Oh, he did. But like, I thought, is he going to kill the Night King? Like, is this really going to happen right now? And that wasn't going to happen. No, I know, but I just thought, like, are they going to do that? Because well, They like, wouldn't do the Night King like that. No, and I was like, well, are, they, are the Ravens going to come? Like, peck at his eye What the hell is going to happen here? Was, yeah, what the hell is going on with Brian? Yeah. What, what? They better explain what he was doing. He checked out. Freaking long. Right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, so you, you don't know anything about it. No, no, I just right. pretend I'm not here. Go okay. on. No. Like, well, I mean, those of you who don't know, like, there's this guy, he kind of is like a psychic or whatever. I'm trying to. He's a word. Yeah, I'm trying, well, I'm trying to lame it out for people. Oh, that, yeah. um, and all of a sudden, in this big battle, he just decides he's going to go psychic somewhere for like. He warped into the ravens. Yeah. Like, what so are you doing? Yeah, he is just he like. Sending, is he sending the ravens out to get more people to come or what? Well, I I did. We did know that when he goes in the raven, that's how the knight can, can track him, where he could find him. So I think that was part of it, I'm assuming. But there has to be more. Because it, it was well, like. There's got to be a shit two thirds of the episode. He was just like, well, "I'm going to check out." See you I later, got my dudes. white eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so like the whole time you're wondering, like, what is this? There's got to give me something other than 
hey, dude, you're about to die. You're a good guy. Thanks. You deserve this. I don't know. Yeah. It was sort of cool that they gave Theon a redemption. Yes. Because he did some nasty stuff to some people. Yeah. So when I was... he had some nasty stuff done to himself. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that they were going to kind of let him live. So I made, I've made some assumptions that, A, they would eventually kill these guys somehow, the bad guys somehow. And then the real story, which is where it's pivoting to now, is this fight for whatever's left of the world. And since we already know that Cersei and Theon's people are all there just kind of waiting for everyone to kill themselves so the way it's swiftly. And I thought, hey, look at me, I'm still I'm alive. And then he was gonna like take his sisters, you know, fleet, but he's dead. So Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Arya's a badass. But we've known that the whole time. Yeah. I mean I did have a problem with how they killed the Night King. I didn't think they could have done something. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I like how they did it. I just don't think it should have been so sudden, I guess. You want a little more drawn out? Yes. I can see that. I mean, he was the... I don't think he was the coolest character, but he was the most badass character out there. I mean, all he had to do was raise his arms and all the dead people rose again. Yeah, I mean... You know, it was the people... The good guys that were dead that he raised. Yep. So I wanted it um Papa Stark because he's coming alive. Thought I was gonna get that. He might have been. Yeah, I mean I just thought I was I don't think it would I don't think it would have happened because his head was cut off. Oh good point. So so, all right. Well but they did say that when Arya dropped the sword or the dagger and stabbed the Night King is where the children of the forest, I think that's what they were called. Stabbed him the first time to make him the making. Oh, so that's interesting. That was kind of cool. I but how Arya knew that, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't think she did. She's like, All right, I'm gonna yeah. stab you. I mean, it was a slick move, really, more than anything else. Right now, I'm so excited you're talking. I just want to keep you going. <laughs> so I'm just like, You got the hot hand right now. I'm just feeding you the ball. This, this is the most you've ever talked about the pie. I know. And I'm but just it's... like, Just keep shooting. Just keep shooting. They're all going at it. The Syrian, the bad dragon, had half his face cut off, ripped off. Uh, question. So he had fire going. <laughs> Is John's dragon still alive? I don't know. It's, That's what yeah. I'm, I don't know either. That's something somebody asked me today. I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I think it's something that we're going to find out. It was Drogon came back yeah. after being attacked by the undead. So, I don't know. Let's see. Because I think. Rhaegal could be key to what's going to happen later. hundred percent. Like, yeah, I think, yeah. So, all right. Anything else? I just, it could be a dragon battle between Daenerys and John. And since we do know that John has blood, it's now no longer just a, no, John is a rifle. Yeah. Too. So like you wonder like, is, well, the dragons obey you. Like, we haven't yet had to see this yet, right? Like, who will they obey? And now that we know that he oh. does have blood in him, were they in technically, I mean, they just well, are babies. Only tiger, supposedly only Targaryens are supposed to be able to ride the dragons. So that's why John can ride Rhaegal and Daenerys rides Drogon. <coughs> I think it's going to be a big dragon battle. <coughs> 
guess we'll see. I love it. <laughs> I feel like we should just do a whole pot of Game of Thrones now. Just here we might have to. <laughs> Reading the books really helps. So. That's what my buddy Brandon they just take forever. Yeah. <clears throat> Something. <clears throat> excuse me. Your opinion, Casey. So they filmed this whole end of season without the author that wrote the original ones finishing the story. That's the last three seasons. Yeah. They just decided, you know, we're tired of waiting for you. We're just going to go off on our own. Interesting. How do you feel about something like that? How many seasons has it been? Total. So there's eight seasons. Uh, yeah, this be season eight. So they had five seasons under their belt with original source material yes. to kind of find their footing. And they did consult George R. R. For these last, I would say that'd be it. Like, I mean, if you think about like, so they they got five seasons of telling this story and learning these characters and connecting to them. I mean, I would say that feels like, especially if you're HBO and your job is turning out the best shows that human beings have ever seen, and you're really good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would I, I would think that would be enough time to be like, I think we have enough ownership of this that we can run with it. I thought it's always been weird. Cool, but weird. Like, because for all we know, maybe just could say, you know what, I'm going to take this. Do you feel like season six and seven were at the strength of the first five? Like, so when they were out in, in the ether and just doing originals, or did you notice like a dip? Uh, season six was a lot better than season seven. I think season six was one of the best seasons they've made. <clears throat> season seven was a little wishy washy. Was it necessary? Was it one of the necessary seasons? Like, I well, feel like all shows have that. Like, Sopranos had that. The Wire had that. There's, like, one or two seasons. So, like, it was necessary, but it wasn't amazing. Well, what I think they knew was they didn't. They the, rushed through season seven. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of timeline. Is, is okay. And they didn't know. I think when they were writing season seven, they didn't know when the end was going to be. Okay. So, there was kind of like, well, what do we do here? Are we going to have three more seasons or are we going to have one more season? Gotcha. And then once they realized, hey. We're going to wrap this up next season. We need to start figuring out how to tie this thing off. I mean, based on all the buzz over the last couple of weeks, it sounds like they're doing a pretty decent job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> last <laughs> night was amazing. I, was so, I watched it all. I hear about it nonstop. Yeah. It was really good. All right. That was the longest hot take ever. It was. And now we're going to do trivia. All right. <clears throat> I can get it. Oh, there's trivia? Yep. Courtesy of your wife. I don't know if we did trivia last time. We Wait, not. courtesy of what? This Your is wife. from uh, LPS CBB. Oh my gosh, you freaked me out for a second. I thought like, <laughs> Casey, we have questions from Mary Bud that you have to answer. I was like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> no, she provided us. I thought it was a gotcha moment. I was like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> it was a whole plan. All, uh, <laughs> all right. Last week's question was, what famous movie sequel filmed the scene in Alpina in 1990? My favorite flight ever. I call the Die Hard Flight. It's where you go from Alpena through Detroit to Washington Dulles Airport and then back because you go from where Die Hard 2 was filmed to where Die Hard 2 was supposed to take place. So it'd be Die Hard 2. Yes. <laughs> For the first time I ever made that flight, I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. I left the airport that it was filmed at and I went to the airport it was supposed to be taking place at. So that was super cool. I want to tell you something right now. I, this is a quick segment before we get back to trivia, I'm sorry. I should have started the pod with this. So, Brad and I listened to your pod. Well, thank you. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, I didn't know how, I, I make sure we listened to it, but I didn't know I why I didn't want to speak. I kind of catch up on it. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. It's cool. So <laughs> I appreciate but it. But 
I know when listening to your pod that you have to hold your nerd back a little bit. A lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it. I'm giving you permission. <laughs> right now. Let's go. You, this is where you. It can just get doesn't it. always. Oh. It's hard to interject in some of the conversations oh. we have on there. So oh, right, oh, right now, you can let this all go. So if you want to talk about the flight, whatever, this is right now. This is yeah, right here. This is your wheelhouse. You can do it where we're like, yes, that sounds really cool. I want to do that flight too now. So Thank like, you, yeah. sir. All right. It is. Yeah, I'm it's about to do it in September. We're going to Alpena to Detroit to Reagan. Oh, it's so close. <laughs> I know. So, it doesn't count, man. Dulles is so far nope. away from it doesn't DC. matter. It's got to be Dulles. That's that's where it happened. Die Hard 2. Is it Dulles? I to tell you. I know. Funny to rewatch like something like Die Hard 2 now, and you're like, is that dude smoking on that plane? Yeah. Is that person just walking through security? Like it's it's amazing how much air airplane uh, travel has changed, and you forget about it until you watch something like that. So the movie that I just watched over the past weekend, and I was like, man, this movie has not aged well. Like in the world that we live, isn't in, that hard sometimes? Yeah, like something like, you hold in such high regard and you rewatch it. There are certain movies, and I can't think of them off the top of my head that. I am actively avoiding because I'm like, I have such a fond memory of it. And I'm like, I feel like it's not going to hold up and I just need to like, let it go. Yeah. And just remember it for what it was and, and, and just part ways. All right. So. Do the trivia. I'll look up where I was watching. And then right. let me know. So, Die Hard 2 was the answer. Die Hard 2. And now this week's question, and it's a great one because of the date. What was the name of the first newspaper that was published in Alpena County on April 29th, 1863? So exactly 156 years ago. Oh, she's going to be mad at me because I feel like I should know this one. Is it okay to answer it or guess at it? Oh, yeah. Well, that started with Joe Gentry. I think it's like, it's Fremont something. No. It's not. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be in trouble. It's all into my time. I feel like it's one of those, if I hear the answer, I'm like, ah. I'll tell you after. Okay. All right. I can't find what it was. It's a good question. Man, I wish I knew what movie it was, but I was just like, this is just not. You know, one that doesn't hold up? I would love to. Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. Especially like the fight scene in the park with like the thousand Asian Smiths and like the CG Neo because it's like early human CG. (laughs) It's not good. Yeah. This was all more like um, slurs and just like. Back when it was okay to say, Haha, quit acting gay. So, <clears throat> have you watched... You were watching 48 Hours? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that still holds up. That's just funny. <laughs> Anything with Eddie Murphy still holds up. Because it's Eddie Murphy. But Mary Beth and I were watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Which does hold up. <laughs> but there's a line in there that like caught us both out of guard. Do you remember like when he thought... Bill thought Ted would... No, Ted thought Bill was dead. Okay. When they're in the medieval times. Like, heavy metal... And then he saw him and he's like, and they hugged each other and then they both broke and they were like, they used a slur. <laughs> yeah. And we were both just like, oh, wow, wow. Yeah. I haven't heard that word in a while. Yeah. That one's not okay. <laughs> yep. And so, that's what the word was. And I was yeah. I think what the movie, and I remember it was like a movie I really was fond of. And then it happened again and it kept like, like slapping me in the face a little bit. Like I was like, it so yeah, caught me off guard because it's building. I'm like, I remember watching this with Sean Hypes in like fourth grade. <laughs> And I remember my parents were like, yeah, 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 you're cool. Go watch that. And like, so it was, that one caught me off guard a little bit. It was interesting. So it is funny to see some of those. You're like, that was, wow, it was a term that we could just throw around that. Do you, go ahead, I'm sorry. I guess if you, I mean, it's, 
Well, it's the second quarter. If you want to start shooting the ball again, I'm all about feeding the hot hand. <laughs> yeah. Just this is some of our music too. Those listening to Rock yeah. the Bells radio and uh, Naughty by Nature is going to be all right. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> well, like anything early Eminem, you kind of like, like, I mean, that was his shtick. So you almost give him but a But it was pass. early 2000s. Yeah, so you like give you him that little yeah. bit of a pass, but you're still kind of like, you almost twitch a little bit now. And you're, you're like, oh. I'm going to sound like, you know, the old, not racially sensitive person, like that grew up in the 60s, but it was a different time. Like times were a little bit different. And I'm not excusing certain things or behaviors, but you're right. It's like, it just wasn't, it didn't have the stigma that it does today. It, it, and I'm saying this is, you know, someone who none of these, I, I can't say that because none of these terms are something that someone would use against me or I would identify with. So, I mean, perhaps it was always something that was very hurtful to certain communities or types of people, but yeah, it just, from, from a societal standpoint, it wasn't a big deal. No. They just, it wasn't a big deal to use certain terms and certain words. And I mean, yeah. when we were younger playing. Oh yeah. Smear the. Yes. Know. Yes. We were saying it all the time. In like third grade. Nobody no cared. idea what it was. Yeah. They're like, that was actually, that. it was actually okay to say it because you would say, Hey, why the teacher would actually tell you, why don't you go outside and play right. that? And then, you know, so I mean, it's like, it's just like, really, it's just crazy. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, definitely crazy. You know what gets me, though? Not gets me, or I don't fully understand. So, like, as we sit here and the table and, like, we're tiptoeing around this word, because we don't want to say it, because it feels <laughs> dirty and it feels offensive, but yet on Netflix, like, there's a TV show, and, like, there it is in the title. So, the, the I don't want to say double standards, but, like, it, it, it's, it's difficult to navigate, because you're like, well, when is it okay, and when is it not okay? Like, I, I understand things that either they're not okay... Or they're okay. It's hard to navigate these weird gray areas where it's well, it's okay if you use it in this context or with this or with this or with this. That gets that gets tough. Like I, I just don't, I don't fully understand. Yes, <laughs> I've given up trying to find the movie. But you're right because we, we joke. I mean, for a while when I was going in the locker, there was two Steves. Yes, and we called me Agent Steve. Yes, yeah. So that's kind of stuff. And in all fairness, you <clears throat> did give yourself that name. Well, yeah, because there's two Steves, and you were like Steve, and we both go what? What? And then so it was like I became Agent Steve, and then <laughs> MMA. I'm going to kill you, Steve. Which, I mean, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so great. What became funny is though he actually no, it was not Agent Steve. That's what it became. It was yes, Agent Steve, and then not Agent Steve. Yes. Anyways, yes. All right. <laughs> It was a clear identifier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made things easy. <clears throat> well, that's a hell of a first segment. It was. That's why I was not worried about not having it. All right, let's take a break. All right. All right. My favorite thing about your pod is when you fight yourself and <clears throat> like, you know, um, we'll use the ladies, man, the Tim Meadows one, because Brandon, <laughs> um, you're like, oh, it's, and you were like, I think it was you were Sam, which is like, Sam which, is like, which is like the perfect person to be that with. You're like, oh, the ladies, man, you know, you could just crickets Sam, and Sam, and Sam's so sweet, right? Because she was like, oh. I, I, I don't know. Casey. I had this little setup and everything because we 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 recorded that one. After our last class of the day, like it's when it worked for the schedule and 
Um, so like it was literally me and Sam and Paige and it's like seven thirty on a Thursday and I brought in a bottle of wine. And so it was like completely like PL after hours. And we were kind of joking like, Ooh. And so then the course, yeah, I'm thinking ladies man and whatnot. And I was like, Oh, it's going to be funny. And nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are my favorite moments on your pod is when like, or you, you say those things, and we talk about that all the time. There's those things that you say that just for that person. Just for you. Just for you. And some of them you qual- <laughs> And then what you try to do is you also try to qualify them sometimes. Like, that's funny. Okay. You don't get it. Let me try to explain it to you a little I've bit. I've gotten better at not doing that, yeah, though. Because I, I feel to. like, yes. If, if i got to explain it, it's just like, oh, okay. Whereas, like, for the people that I don't have to explain it to, they're like, I see what you did there. See, I do that now is like, there's a phrase where people would go, it's about a 50% chance. And then I would yell, Sex Panther. And then I would, and they would look at me and they would go, See, now you guys already know. And then they would look at me like, What do you mean by Sex Panther? And then I would say, 60% of the time, it works every time. So then I would qualify that. Now I've no longer done that. Nope. So now when people say, I just go Sex Panther and I walk away. <laughs> and then again, like you said, so the people that get it and the people that get it find it freaking hilarious. They yes. love it. Yes. And the people who don't, like, even if you explain it, they're not going to find it that funny. Yes. So it's cool. Just yeah, let it go. Let it I've, I've been told numerous times, like, if you got to explain it, it's not funny. Yeah. So I, I need to stop doing that. Yeah. But it's kind of fun. Like, so speaking of the podcast, like, so, and we touched on this last time we talked, like, forever ago, I had a little one that was fitness related. So before PL opened and... I was, I was doing more writing and I was doing more like video content and stuff like that. Like it was a nice creative outlet and, you know, performance locker has become that same outlet for me, you know, a place that we, I have some control and can kind of like put my thumbprint on and, and, and do stuff. And I didn't always feel like I had that at different points in my career. So when I was doing the website, that was, it was a huge, huge outlet for me. And I didn't realize it at the time, like retrospective looking back and I, I had fallen in love with the medium and I was like, well, this could be fun. And I mean, this is, it was a minute ago. Like I had to do, and I'm not techie. I had to do a lot of research and I would like record here and then try and like do some really shitty editing here and then upload it here. But I had to upload it onto a self hosting thing and I had to own my RSS feed and figure out a lot of work. Oh, and then you had to like actually uh, submit it to iTunes and it was a lot of work. And um, I managed to figure it out, managed to get out there and I really, really dug doing it. But again, just things changed. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't until meeting with you guys last year around this time, a little bit later, cause it was, it was always one of those things that was in the back of my head that was like, ah, I'd like to do that again. I'd like to get back to it. I really enjoyed doing it. And then, you know, thought about different ways. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want to carry the whole thing by myself, but now it's like, I get this group of people and they're, they're awesome and they have great thoughts and opinions and great education and great backgrounds and they're all different. And I was like, we got content for days. We have contributors for days. And it wasn't until after chatting with you guys last time that like, that was the final push. And then you helped me with some of the new software. And I mean, for you, it has to be 90 day. You must always oh, find it humorous. It's, it's not, it, it's not even comparable. <laughs> it's just, Cause I originally, when I first tried to start a podcast, I was prepared to go down that alley. Yeah. And they're all set up. You didn't have any other choice. I was ready for it. I'm like, Brad, this is it. We're going to do it. It's going to take some time. But yep. And then I found I stumbled kind of haphazardly upon this. And I'm just like, well, while this has certain limitations to it, as you're starting to, as right. you can see it, I don't need 
I'm oh. never, I'm never going to, we're never going to have 1 million listeners. And even at that point, if we ever did, I'd pay somebody at that point to come on in and say, Hey, why don't you just, I mean, we're so popular. Why don't you just come and produce it? You just, yes. Yeah. Because like, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it with that. And that's, yeah. that, that part became a bit of a chore. And again, it was just, there was a lot of things going on, but I mean, yeah, after talking with you and showing all the stuff and it was like, ah, we can do this. And yeah, so I mean, it was it was really kind of funny, not funny, but it was like you're you guys jumping in and doing this and making it happen and putting out such great content, and it was like that was the that was the push. That was like this make it happen. And part of the reason I did is because I absolutely loved your podcast. So it's like it's really art truly imitating life. Yep, imitating art. Um, my favorite thing about <laughs> my favorite thing about your old podcast. You, whether you meant it or not, you spend a lot of time on authenticity. Like, just being you, learning what you are. And like you said, I think a lot of it was what you were going on in your life at the time. And um, I really enjoyed a lot of that. Like, because you could tell, you know, I mean, those of you who knew what you had kind of going on in your life, you could listen to it and kind of piece some of it together or yeah. even apply yeah. to it. But other, and it wasn't slating or anything like that it was just more of like a hey this is where do you want to see the fitness industry go you know because fitness is one of those things where it can mean 800 different things to 800 different people i think that's the problem is that it does like what is define fitness yeah it's such an ambiguous term that really like we just kind of i mean it's been a term that's been in existence for a long time, but it wasn't really coined to describe this thing until not too long ago. And it it is, it's just, what does it mean? What are the aspects of it? What are the tent poles? You know, conversely, when you talk about something like yoga, like this is what yoga can be clearly defined and it has these characteristics. It has these principles that these are the focuses. This, this is the, the culture, like all those things are pretty well defined. Yes. There's nuance between different types of practices and practitioners and everything else. But for the most part, the big tent poles are there. You know what I got for you? And this is where I've never shared this, but I've always, I've just thought about it when I was listening to your pod on the elliptical. Fitness is like food. So like when you say Asian, Mm-hmm. You know that there's like Asian food, Mexican yeah. food, American yeah. food, yeah. all these different times. But there's fusion, right? There's Asian fusion. There's all these different <laughs> things, and I think that's what you're seeing now, almost to a fault. Some some of it works, right? Where okay. you're like, you're like, oh, okay, uh, a group CrossFit class where we're doing crazy Olympic moves for people that aren't very healthy. Probably not a very good idea. Right. But maybe on a high end level for some really high end athletes. There is a benefit to that. Well, you know, to your point, like, yeah. So look at CrossFit. Like there's some aspects of that. Like that is a fusion is we're taking powerlifting, uh, more so on the Olympic lifting side, um, gymnastics. Wait, So like all these things are coming together and and they're kind of cherry picking the best parts of each one. And there's some huge value to a lot of those things. But simultaneously, you know, one of my biggest issues with some of the the CrossFit programming is taking something like the Olympic lifting. And and if you just want to look at it from the, the, the mechanical side, like the, are these good exercises that train these parts of the body? hundred percent. Yes. Right. But they're also Olympic events, <clears throat> meaning there's a lot of speciality. 
There's people train their whole lives to be able to do these things. So is it fair to take something that's an Olympic event that is a discipline that people will just dive into and commit their entire professional or amateur athletic career to and expect that some Joe Schmo or soccer mom can pick that thing up and like once or twice a week? First 35 years of their life, that's all they're going to spend. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you're right. Like sometimes it's by fusing these things together, like – so like, that's why we do a lot of kettlebells because you're getting a lot of the same characteristics and a lot of the same mechanics and movements that you're going to get from some of those Olympic lifts and training. We can build some of the same physical characteristics, but without such complex patterns that are so technically based. And that technique is hard and it just takes time to learn and it takes a lot of repetition. And when you're trying to do things under load it makes everything difficult and you're adding fatigue and that makes things difficult. And it's, it's so I, I agree with you is there's, we don't want to stop exploring. We don't want to stop looking at new things. We don't want to stop combining, but sometimes, so in courses, sometimes we'll talk about the, this kind of myth of compound awesomeness. Like, well, if this thing's great and if this thing's great and you put them together, they're going to be something even better. Well, sometimes that thing becomes a snuggie right? It's either a robe or a blanket. They're both fine. You don't fucking have to put them together, <laughs> yeah. right? Like leave it alone. Yeah. So you take these two great things and you put them together and now you have something that's just weird and awkward and doesn't really work. And, and that happens a lot. So it, it's tough. It's, and, and to give, to give our industry a little bit of a break, it's in its infancy. I mean, if you really think about it, yeah. like fitness was not a thing until the eighties. And even then it was relatively obscure. The nineties, it starts to become more mainstream. Normal people start going to the gym. Whereas that wasn't the case back in the day. Did you listen to that 30 out 30 out brick and yoga? No. Um, they have a 30 out 30 pot. Did you ever get to those? Yeah, it was crazy. It, you would thoroughly enjoy it. That next would be fascinating. Next I, time yeah. you go for a, a ride yeah, 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 or yeah. you're on, you know, going to drive me destroyed by yourself but that i think it's a five-part series i think so oh wow four, four so or five it's, parts. it's a deep oh a huge oh, deep man. dive but it talks about how he started essentially just doing it to celebrities and it became this big thing yeah and yeah they opened these gyms and the rise and the fall so to speak and so just, kind of back to that like that is such a perfect example so bikram yoga Bikram yoga is a specific series of poses done in this order held for this period of time in this environment specifically. And in order to put a name on it and put the trademark stamp on it, that's what it is. So you're within the industry that is fitness. There's a business side to it. There's an aspect to it. Like, you know, we talk about how, a lot of professional education in the fitness industry is actually geared towards selling equipment, meaning there's always an ulterior motive. So like when I put together a conference session for like the surge, my I'm being paid by that company to do this thing, but they're paying me because it's hopefully going to sell more units. So there's like, I, I can never just get up there and say whatever it is I want to say or take whatever angle. I always have to bring it back full circle. And I always kind of got to like do the soft <laughs> sell on the product and on the equipment. So, you know, the, the education itself is always a little bit skewed because someone's paying the bill. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about something like Bikram Yoga, for example, in order to trademark it, it has to be so specific. And then once it gets popular, everybody else is going to knock it off and you change one or two moves 
well, now it's not Bikram anymore. So technically you're not infringing. And now you get into these gray areas where people are calling it something similar or maybe people are just trying to jump on because it's quote unquote profitable, but they don't have the, the training or the education. And these things become so much trickier when you try and put a monetary value and a business structure around <laughs> and, and yoga and Bikram specifically is a great example of that because, you know, they want a proprietary model that they can sell and make money <laughs> on. And that makes sense. But then for people who participate in that. So if you do a Bikram yoga class, it's the same class over and over and over. And there's no change. There's no difference because in order for them to stamp the TM on it, like it's got to be this thing. So it, it's a weird environment. And part of the reason that all these things are happening going on is like, we're just young. I mean, and so even if it like, even if you could say that the modern fitness industry was born in the nineties, we're still seeing changes in evolution. When I got involved and was working full-time in fitness in 2006 was my first full-time job within the industry. Even then, the explosion of, you know, boutiques like we are, like performance lockers, more on the boutique studio side, right? Mm -hmm. Smaller groups, smaller numbers, specialized, da, 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 da. That made up like a half a percent of the entire industry. Well, then some people saw some success with it, you know, and it was just a new path, a different way. Now they're everywhere. And now you're even getting boutique boutiques. Right. Like we're the, the boxing and the Pilates boutique or we're the kettlebells and rowers boutique and things are just getting so dialed in and so simplified. And then everybody's trying to carve out their niche and make it different than anything else. And I had a friend open an exercise bike studio. Yeah. State. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, and I think that echoes back to authenticity. You know what I mean? Like for each person finding whatever it is, their mission and kind of resonates with them. And then being able to bring that. And I think that's what you do so well. At, Thanks, man. You know, and I mean, you, your, your slogan or, you know, life without limits, it's probably nice to have, you, do, you can tell you really put a lot of thought into that because it always gives you a sense of direction. Probably maybe at times or maybe you're trying to figure out, oh, 100%. Is, is this going to work? I mean, is this something we want to do? At performance line. Yeah. You know, especially looking at like what's popular and what mm -hmm. are people drawn to? And is it something that we want to look at? Is it something that we want to incorporate? Is it something worthwhile? Is it something flashy? Like it's, it's, it, it's difficult and it can be a very difficult thing because, you know, sometimes, sometimes, especially in our industry, it's like, I don't, Pete, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Malcolm Gladwell does this awesome talk. I think it was a TED talk. I can't remember if it was live or in one of his books, but he talks about, so there was like this huge um, uh, product war between Prego and Ragu sauce back in the day. Now, like this is rewind to when the grocery stores, there was two kinds of sauce. You didn't have a shelf full of different kinds of pasta sauce or marinara sauce. You had Prego and Ragu. And let's say Ragu was the, or Prego was the, the dominant one. So Ragu is trying to figure out how to get more market share. So they did focus group after focus group after focus. And they're talking to customers. What do you want? What can we give you? Da, 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 da. Nowhere, 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 nowhere. So finally, I don't even know how they stumbled across it. They start doing chunky, right? Big hunks of tomato and everything else. At this point today, and I'm pulling these numbers out of the air, so don't quote me on them, but something like 60% of all marinara sauce sales in the U.S. are chunky. During all those focus groups, how many of those people said they wanted chunky pasta sauce? Yeah. Not one. Exactly. So it, it's difficult because like we exist in this industry that like not everybody really knows what they want. And sometimes 
our job as professionals is to try and get people what they need, yeah. which isn't always what they think that they want. It's, it's kind of like good parenting. You know, someone might come in and say, I want to do this and this and this. And, you know, for us to be responsible, it'd be like, okay, well, we did, we did our screen. We found these things out. Here's what's going to serve you best right now and into the future. And here's what's going to help us get there. I understand it's not what you were looking for on the way in, but our experience has shown like this is probably going to be the best way to go. I find that 100% on what's going on with my life right now in selling cars. I think I've done a really good job of creating some relationships in our mm-hmm. community. And I'll have the guy that comes in and it's like, man, want a Camaro? I mean, you got to just use Camaro out there. I'm using it just as a really bad example. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Serve the point. <laughs> I really want a new, I want that used Camaro out there. I, you know, I'm, my wife's pregnant. I got a kid on the way and I've always wanted one. And I'm just like, that's not the time. Yeah. It's not the time. <laughs> you know, and you know, I can, and even some of that hurts is my neighbor wants to buy this car. And what my neighbor wants me to do is lie to him. I know that's what 100% right. he wants me to do. He just wants me to lie. And if I would just lie, he just buy the car. And I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And it's hard because for me, I've spent hours, like, I mean, days, figuratively mm-hmm. days with this person trying to find the right vehicle for him. And they don't know what necessarily they want. And I understand that because what they want really doesn't exist in the space right now. But he just wants me to lie. I just can't do it. I, I mean, and you've seen me. I mean, there's yeah. times where, like, I'll I'll even ride my bike. Yeah. You know, like, it's I mean, we live in freaking God's country, right? right. It's right. 70 degrees. It's going to be sunny all day. And there's going to be no wind in the evening. I'm going to my bike. I'll ride my bike to work. And then you just stop me, like, worst car salesman ever. Worst car salesman <laughs> ever. Yeah, you know? And I'm just like, <laughs> but you're right. And I mean, it's No, just, no, I'm just giving you a But I know. I mean, it's I an it. awesome decision. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's so much of, like, and just sit there and say that doesn't matter. It does because I'm always cognizant of stuff like that. You know, you, people do pay attention to what I drive because right. I sell cars, and there's an expectation with that. You know, and I I think what you hit on really eloquently is is something that has served me well, but is is challenging and frustrating from time to time. Is that like if you give people what they want, they might respect or value you for a short period of time, but if you give people what they need, they'll love you forever. Like there's, there's a trust that's built and there's an appreciation and that's, that's not always easy to do. Like it's easy to be the shady used car salesman. It's easy to just bump up your numbers. It's easy to jump on the bandwagon and go with what's hip and what's popular and what you know is going to drive people in the door. Um, and like nothing against them, but like, that's why we don't do boot camps. Like my experience was like, this was something that was really popular in the industry for a while. It was going to come to an end because it was not at a sustainable pace, you know, kicking the shit out of people for however many workouts straight, whether it be six workouts or six weeks, like it's just not something that people can do over and over and over. So you can already see the writing on the wall. Like this is not going to last forever. This fad, this trend, not to mention we'd see the same people lose the same 10 pounds over and over and over and over. So it's like, is this, I understand that this is what the market is saying. We want this, here's our money, but is it really what you need? Is it really what's going to serve us best? And, and that's hard sometimes professionally, because then you see someone else going the other way with it and they're just, they're killing it. And you're just like, the hardest thing for me, like July, early January, Right around Christmas time, something happened to my heel. I don't know what I did mm-hmm. to it, but it really irritated it. And I just knew, just got to shut it down. You can't do anything. And then, then we played basketball. 
and I'd go play one night, and then I'd be limping around for the next month. And Brian's got something going on right now where it's it's humbling to be able to listen to your body accurately, and mm-hmm. when you just when you know what you want to do, and it's just like, and I know that's kind of the space you live. I know, but some of my favorite things I've ever done, experience I've ever had with you is when I'll be doing something working out wise, and I'll have too much weight, and you like you'll just like disgustingly take it out of my hands like, <laughs> doing that. like, a, like a parent but like you're we know better yeah i mean yeah we all do it the yeah. amount of internal conversations i get to have with myself when i'm doing stuff that i shouldn't be doing yeah. because i'm not 25 anymore and i need to remind that or like something you know i i got so good at just pushing through stuff for such a long period of time because it's just what you do and then yeah being it, it is hard to make the right decision sometimes. It's so much easier to just do that. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> and it's weird because with fitness, at least I know Brad, there is a certain good things happen when you get to that point where you're uncomfortable and like but you hit it. Yeah, and that's a huge difference. Is there so like there's a massive difference between pain and suffering. Suffering is completely fine and builds character and strong people. And I'm totally fine with you suffering. And I feel like in, in good workouts, once we've earned the right to do that, we should like, yes, it is good for the human soul. Pain is never okay. Yeah. Ever. Under any circumstances. Like pain is your body's way of trying to communicate something to you. <laughs> and when you just ignore pain or put rock tape on it or biofreeze or pop a bunch of Aleve, like you're taking the batteries out of your smoke alarm without putting the fire out. Yeah. And, and I think... In, you know, if I have one huge complaint about the industry that I exist in, it's that, is that we have conditioned people to no pain, no gain, pain is weakness, leaving the body and all this other crap. I I think it does so many people such a massive disservice. And again, suffering is fine. I'm fine with you suffering. But the other thing I think is that we don't pay attention to is like, you got to earn the right to suffer. You know what I mean? Like, so people walk into a dojo and you, it's just accepted, hey, I'm a white belt. This is my first day. I'm going to start. I'm going to work on the basics. No one walks – okay, most most people <coughs> don't walk into the dojo and be like, I want to spar with the black belts. Right. And if they did that, the instructor would say, no, you're not ready. You haven't earned it. But all the time, people hop into a, you know, a CrossFit gym. They're like, oh, it's seven-minute burpee challenge day. I'm in. It's like you haven't earned it. Yeah. You got to earn it. That's what I think. I'm, I'm really trying next weekend, which we're going to talk about here shortly whatever shortly is, it's going to be a long one tonight, which I'm perfectly fine with. Um, we, there's a 5K for Thunder Bay Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Allison's running it, and I'm going to try to run it. And I've worked hard at just kind of building my mileage back up. But it's like you said, I certainly would have never felt like – and then, of course, back in my mind, it's creeping up because I'm starting to run again. It's starting to feel better. And the This burning in my lungs and burning right. my calves is starting to go away a little bit and to the point where I'm like, I guess I could do another half marathon. I probably could do it, you know. And um, but I certainly a month ago didn't think, hey, I'm gonna go run a half marathon. But right. you gotta earn it. It's just like right. you said, you know. Yeah, and it's. I think those goals are wonderful, and I think they're great. And I, you know, I I feel like I feel like sometimes you know maybe I come across or I sound like the the naysayer, like oh don't do that, like yes, like do these things. I I, I just I wish there was more of a conversation where. not only just like with me and people, but like people internally, okay, if you're going to do this, like do it, 
and do it right and do it well. So if you're going to do the running, and I'm not just talking to you, I'm just talking no, about no, it, I'm right? Not or if you're going to do the bike riding, when when are you working on oh, when are you working on active recovery? When are you working on mobility? When like at what point are you going to look at what is not working well or what could be done more efficiently? What are you going to do about it? You know, instead of just jumping in whole hog and then just kind of pushing, pushing, pushing through, like put in the time, like make, if you're going to make the commitment, like make the commitment, like be in whole hog and do what you need to do to, to, to not only allow this experience coming up on the horizon to be positive, but allow you many other positive experiences. Cause if I had a nickel for every time someone had an audacious goal and they trudge through to, to, to accomplish that audacious goal and then we're out of commission for maybe ever. Like, yep. I mean, you know, there's been people I've oh. known that they did this thing and that ended up being their last race or their last thing because then they went in the downward spiral or something got it's hurt. Tear hip muscle or and something really bad, you know. Like, not, sometimes it's not even that. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like you pushed yourself through 12 weeks of misery. You did it. But now that experience was so painful that you just, you don't have the motivation to ever start that again. Like that was just, pain is the largest motivator that human beings will ever experience, whether to do things or not do things. <clears throat> so we can push through to an extent, but at some point pain will always win. Yeah. So I, I think sometimes, you know, we make, we make decisions for the short term gain, but we're not thinking about the long term. That's why I want to write a marathon now. And again, you can. No. Just to be clear. Oh, I 100% could. I know exactly what I would have to do. Exactly. But I never want, Alice and I were just talking about it this morning when we were ready for work. And she's like, um, you seem like you're doing better running. You know, like when she sees, Allison gets to see all this, the stuff that no one else gets to see, right? right so it's uh, when, when I was running a lot, it was getting out, sitting on the edge of my bed for a half hour, like yeah. just trying to get the blood in my legs. Yeah. And then coming back from the run and stretching, like just watching me whip around the house, all right. that stuff. And she's like, you seem to be running and doing all right. I'm like, well, I'm trying to do it the right, as you said, right. somewhat the right way. Right. I mean, there's an accelerated timeline here because of the stupid 5K. Well, not stupid, but I mean like. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. So, so I, I look at it this way. My whole life, I've always romanticized playing guitar. It's It's been on my list for a long period of time. I used to play an instrument, like, so I'm not completely like. Yeah, it's flute. Yes, flute. I played the yes, flute. Um, actually, the saxophone, of all things. But so <laughs> it's it, it's been in the back of my mind for a long time. It's been on my list for a long time. But then, you know, and, and I revisit it every now and again. But when I revisit it, it's like, okay, if you're going to do it, do it. Don't just like half at like, and what's that going to take? Well, it's going to take this and this and this. You're going to need to work with someone at least once a week. You're going to need to practice as many times. Are you ready and willing for that level of commitment? And if the answer is no, then I'm like, I'm just not going to pick it up right now. Like, and I can only speak for me personally, but in that case, when I look at the commitment I would need to be able to have some level of skill with that thing, it's, I'm just not there right now. The priority is not there. It's not high. So I would encourage people like, if running is a goal, awesome, do it. Like to run is to be human. And I'm a huge advocate of it. But if you have this big goal for like doing something big, something a date, like let's say a sub two half marathon, put in the time. <clears throat> yeah. And, and really not, not just like when I did um, Tough Mudder some, some years ago, the amount of chatter I heard about people that like just signed up the day before the race 
it's kind of scary to be honest with you. I mean, the oh, I just signed up yesterday. My again got me into it, and it's like those are the things that's like that's it's just not a good idea. Like, and that was interesting because so it was thirteen mile course, and once you hit about mile four, you'd see more and more people peppered at like the little rest stations, and with each mile, that number grew, and then after about mile six, the amount of people on the ground kept growing and growing and growing. And I'm like, yeah, doesn't sound like a good idea now, does it? <laughs> Whereas like our little group, like we were prepped, we were prepared, we had an awesome time and I would do it again <clears throat> in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's crazy. We watched the Rich Froning documentary over the weekend. The CrossFit guy that went all Yeah, the yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm trying to remember if I saw that one or not. I saw a couple of theirs that were on Netflix, but I don't know if I saw that one. So I'm watching it. We're gonna take a break. Oh, you're so <laughs> So we were watching it and, you know, this guy's cleans and all these, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just amazing. And <clears throat> Allison's just like, I think you know a little bit. Allison with her arthritis is just got, she just can't play and do some things. Yeah. And we're just watching this guy and marveling at everything he's able to do. And she's like, I can't believe he can do that. I'm like, well, one, he works at it. Right. But two, it's like, he's so, he, even when I was watching, another guy they were doing overhead squats and I was like you know why he's able to do this so much better than this other guy is watch this guy's knees when he gets down to that bottom or when he's coming out and how much they kind of buckle in and I'm like now watch this guy here and how they stay how he's got it all torqued out and then she was like okay I'm like and that's why he's three or four reps ahead of him just that by that littlest smallest thing that, economy of movement yeah it, it, efficiency yeah and it's just crazy to me that how something so small on the body can echo through it. So, like, so I have a bum heel, and then I limp, and I'm not so limping, whatever. Who everyone limps, or I, you know, not everyone, but so, but then I'm favoring my old leg. Now my left leg's kept charring up because I'm running funny. Just I've gone through the whole gamut of the thing, and yeah. it's just been, it's just amazing to me how downstream some of that stuff can very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably really boring to a lot of people. It's all right. That's what they get for listening. I hope <laughs> that's what they get for listening. So um, you also, you guys still doing the 4th of July parade? We do. Okay. This will be, what, year four? Maybe? Question mark? <laughs> I'm Ron I told you, Ron Marie, whatever you put on the teleprompter. Um, I feel as, I know we've had this discussion last time, no one does the fourth like Alpina. I agree. Um, and it's always kind of like, I always consider actually the Dorf Brothers 5K the official kickoff of the 4th of July because it's usually the first thing that happens. That's but, true. That's true. But right after that is obviously the parade. Right, right, right. My goal this year is, it is every year, is to witness the parade. I think I've only watched one parade the past five years. where it's I because you're usually in it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so my, and every year I'm always like, and I, I love helping out whoever it is, and yeah. I don't mind driving the car. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we've done some fun things with it, but there is a certain amount of being able to. Somebody will be like, "Oh man, did you see the young Art Van float?" Yeah. Yep. I'm like, well, I saw. I saw it, it up, you know, in but, the fairgrounds on the track, but I didn't actually get to see it. And they were like, "Oh man, it was so cool." They were, and I just like, there's always a small part of me that's always like. Yeah, I know. And I mean, I, I agree with you because it's like, well, we haven't watched a parade in 
X amount of years. You know, I get to see them rolling out, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. I, I dig it. It's, uh, it's one of those things that like the work and the time involved increases exponentially every day as it gets closer. But my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite time. So once everything's done and staged and all the floats are on the track and then towards the front, we have like the, the, the first 10 to 15 floats, like some of the bigger trucks that don't fit back there, Grand Marshal, City Band, you know, all those things that are right towards the front there. And so the first like, 15, 20 minutes is pretty chaotic because they all just kind of funnel in and I have to like layer them and say, okay, you go and then you and then you. So we're kind of setting that order. But once the first, I'd say five are out, I just kind of get to sit back and like chill. Like that's my favorite moment because it's well, like, like, oh, okay, we're good. <laughs> and you kind of get to say hi to everybody yeah. as they're walking by. Yes. Hey, have a good time. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I dig that. Like, so once we've said go and everybody's starting to file out and I, yeah. And then Mary Bell's always at the other end. And so she's with the judges. And so she, we always take her bike down and once, you know, so I, I, I do the fairground end. She takes all the stuff down to the judges. She usually hangs out with them. Once all their stuff is done, she tallies, she goes home, she puts it in the press release and sends it out there. So it's kind of like we bookend it. Like, so once they leave the fairgrounds, I'm like, <laughs> where's the barbecue? It's all Mary Beth's hands. Yeah. And um, our family has been awesome. So ever since we started doing it, they, the night before they go to the back campgrounds at the fairgrounds right on the river. And they set up like two or three of their RVs and just hang out. So right when the parade leaves and everything's done and we're all cleaned up, we just walk to the back there and there they are waiting with food and we hang out and we fish and we, it's just great. Yeah. It's awesome. I, uh, yeah, I love it. And hopefully this year I'll be able to watch it, watch it and photograph it. Right. You know, because uh, there's some, some things over the past couple yeah, of years. That's I've true. I've got a couple more toys that I can do. Well, make Brad drive the car. <laughs> no. so, but I, you know, so I'll have my niece and nephew. I want to go with you. No, I can't. No, stay there. I can get you in. I know a guy. We actually did have Brad one year for Potato Festival. I had the vehicle. Yeah. And I had the candy, but I didn't have anyone to help me. Uh, so Brad enlisted his niece and nephew. <laughs> um, How'd that go? For the Post Potato Festival. Now, mind you, it's only about a two mile parade, okay. straight shot down. We were done with candy. What? Half mile. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the back with them just throwing it off. I've never seen so happy. So happy. But if you know anything, yelling, make it rain. It all, it all, it all. Like, so great. And then, of course, that, that first half mile, there's nobody there. Right. You know, because it's all like everybody's in downtown posing. And then you start a half mile outside of town. And I'm like, all right, you ready? Here come all the people. And you're just like, I'm out. Right? It's like, I'm out. <laughs> you're out. Making it rain. Making it rain. That's great. Well, do we just want to pivot to the top five? I'm excited for the top five. Let's take a break because we got well before the name of your podcast. Oh, oh uh, yes. thanks, man. Uh, the Life Without Limits podcast. So it's like I said, I, I really I got to thank you guys a lot. Like both of you, huge inspiration in terms of like making it happen and helping out and getting it out there, and I, I really appreciate it. Great. It's on iTunes and Spotify. It, it is everywhere that you can imbibe your podcast. Uh, Isn't that the best feeling on the planet? We, well, for us, it was like Christmas Day. Every time we get another one, 
like, oh man, look at that. We're right there. Look now. at that. That's kind of cool. But yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll take a break. All right. Now we'll get into our top five list. And this week's top five is our top five greatest movies that won't make a greatest movie list. Except this one. Except this one. I didn't know if you wanted to explain to them the, the All right. Okay. And we did have some <laughs> criteria. The rules. Yeah, the rules. <laughs> we have rules. Yes, we have rules. Very serious about this. Now, because there's rules, is there veto capability? Well, that's part of... We, we, <laughs> why don't you read the rules? Go ahead, read the rules first. We couldn't pick any movies that were on the AFI Top 100 list. They haven't won any major awards. Well, there goes my number one. (laughs) (laughs) No Star Wars, DC, Marvel movies, Indiana Jones, or anything directed by Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, or Steven Spielberg. So now that we have that. (laughs) So just Citizen Kane, (laughs) Godfather 2, like, don't you dare. (laughs) So, you don't belong here. I don't want you to change your list. I'm still keeping it. Yeah, you, you keep it. It's okay. So we'll just ridicule you. What, what, no, what I wanted to do was talk about the awards part because that's what I thought we should have Because I, I'd like to give you at least an honorable mention of mine first. So Eight Mile is on my honorable mention list. However, okay. Eight Mile won an Oscar. Did it really? <clears throat> Soundtrack. Okay. So I should clarify when I said awards like Best Picture. Yeah. Stuff like that. No, best I, director, best actor, I, wiggle room. Yeah. So, wiggle room. So best foreign language film. That I'm okay with. Yeah. So, because how many people have seen any best foreign language film? Uh, <laughs> how many people outside of this table? Yeah, okay, all right. Well, yeah. So, but that's kind of where I was going with it. Case of point, I wanted to use my example first because I thought it would get, set the tone of where we're having like, right. this journey. So, all right. No, so just for the mm-hmm. record, I would accept Eight Mile as something that cat- that falls perfectly into this list. It's a great movie, but it's never going to be mentioned as a great movie. Like if we're just sitting around talking about, oh, the greatest movies ever, like that's not going to come up in conversation. So that's, I think that's a perfect one for this list. Yeah. And I mean, we, I can talk mine since I gave it out of mention. I'm culturally biased because like Casey, I have Detroit roots. So like there's a certain part of that where I'm like, even if, it wasn't filmed all in Detroit. Can I come or, clean though? Yeah. So, you know Ashley O'Connor? Yeah. So we chat and she grew up in Troy. Yeah. Which is right next to where I grew up in Bloomfield Hills. Yeah. I'm not judging you. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. okay. I, I want people to like, I feel like this is something that I need to yeah. unburden just so just so we're, everybody's yeah. on a clean slate. But so Ashley and I joke all the time and because we both are transplants up here. And yeah. for both of us coming up here was just at first growing up in the metro area, you're just like, okay this is different so like every now and again like she'll do something or say something or i'll do something and i'll be like your troy showing you yeah. know and vice versa so um and we we talk a lot because she loves detroit i i have become such a huge fan of Detroit over the last couple years specifically um but i'm very much jumping on the new detroit bandwagon because growing up in the suburbs especially in the 80s and the 90s you looked down your nose at detroit so hard we hated the city. We didn't go to the city. We didn't give any love to the city. Like I was born and raised and spent my whole life like looking down on Detroit. And yeah. it hasn't been until recently 
and having some experiences down there and being like, oh my gosh, like you guys are killing it. This is amazing. I've become so in love with that city, but it's only been over the last couple of years. Yeah. And even then, I didn't grow up in Detroit. I mean, I think we've talked a little bit about this. I grew up in Southfield. Right. And then no, but once that, my dad got a better job, then we moved out to Bloomfield as well. So like, South, like that, that's not Detroit. That's, that's not Detroit. Detroit. Right. No, I mean, like, no. Right. But if you're not from around there, it totally is. Like yes. we're all still, it's still Metro Detroit area, but you're right. Like it is so far removed from Detroit. Yeah. So yeah, I'm 100% like a bandwagon jumper when it comes to, you know, the Detroit resurgence. And I, I, I think it's awesome. I mean, we were just down there this weekend and I've, I've had a few other opportunities to go down and check it out. And just what they're doing in that city is incredible. And I love it. And I like look forward to every experience to get to go down there, but it was not always that way. And I think some of what they've done, look how we've taken this from the top five <laughs> to Detroit. It's amazing. Um, take another break before we <laughs> a certain level, they have stopped fighting what they are. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? I think for the longest time, Detroit tried to like, oh, we need it. Kind of like what Alpina's done a little bit. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But no, I'm you're right. A little bit. You're right. Just say, hey, you know, we don't have to be Trevor C. Petoskey no, or it. Saginaw. Own Just it. Say, you know, we are who we are. Can we – would it hurt to have another main chain restaurant in town? Yeah, sure. Why not? Can we be the best version of what we are, yeah. of who we are? Yeah. And I think that's what Detroit did. And for the longest time – Agreed. It wanted to fight, you know, being – It didn't want to be that. Gritty. Yep. You know, metropolitan. Right. Blue collar. You know, like – we're never going to be Rodeo Drive, right? You know, or just all these different things. Instead, it's just kind of say, hey, you know what? This is kind of what we are. We're never going to be Chicago, but I, I will say, and this is this is my hot take. Um, I'll take Detroit over Chicago any oh, day of the week, yeah. and for the reason is when I go to Chicago, Chicago to me doesn't have the personality. Like Detroit has a vibe. It's got a personality. It's got a culture that is unmistakably its own. It's unlike anywhere else. It is unique. It is authentic. And as much as like Chicago's a great city and they got a lot going for them, but there, there's not, a, there's not a. What do you identify with Chicago? When like you think the thing, Chicago, like the Cubs. I mean, but I'm talking nationwide. Like when you, when I say Chicago, I mean, I think of three things off the top of my head really quick. Navy Pier, Barack Obama, and the Chicago Cubs. Okay. I, so, mean, I, mean, I think pizza, I think Lake Michigan, and I think like Midwest. Yeah. But when you say Detroit. Oh. Motor City. You know, I, I'm thinking the auto industry. I mean, it's just different things. It's amazing how, yeah, we've kind of embraced that. And, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. So why don't you go ahead with some honorable mentions? <laughs> I had quite the list, but I got it down to four honorable mentions. <laughs> four. <laughs> I had three, so you're right. I've already told you one. All right. I'll uh, we'll start off with Beat, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest. I love that you have a documentary. Okay. I have. I've never seen that. I have another documentary coming up. Okay. It's a great movie. See it. And I almost cried watching it. Really? Yes. Because me and Steve love a Tribe Called Quest. Just... You know, that's the weird thing about music. Music can somehow become, you can have emotional experiences with music mm -hmm. so where there's songs and they mean something and then sometimes when you find out the background of things or you know like tribe for us like oh no better example i'll we'll do something a little more mainstream for our <coughs> listeners boys the men okay okay so we all know the deep voice guy mike yeah. is yeah. no longer with the band so like if 
I can tell you right now, if Boys the Men were to have a reunion tour with Mike, probably go to that instantaneously. So, like, <laughs> so like, oh, yeah. no, no, I'm like, I'm in. Give me my ticket right yeah. now. Take my money. So, um, but just things like that, and it's amazing how, and that documentary does a good job of that. Like, okay. something in that those songs, you know, we listen to them a lot, and sure. we have, you know, we always laugh and smile and sing along and yeah. all that stuff. But yeah. then you kind of find out some of the backstory that there's some tragedy involved in their story because they broke up got back together again and whatever and now of course somebody's one member's dead so yeah. it's just yeah it's, it's nuts interesting and this was before a fight that ate, so right i'll have to check that out i got it i can give it to you all right so next one is the princess bride it's a classic i've never seen the princess bride <laughs> there's another one I <laughs> and i i know i'm silently judging you I know, I know. I mean, as someone who's like notably identifies as a movie guy, I understand that it's one of those that, yeah, I just, I've never seen the thing the whole way through. And I've kind of always thought maybe you were a little bit like of a 90s wrestling guy too. So oh, I'm fact, a huge 90s wrestling right, guy. So the fact that you, well, more late 90s. Yeah. So the fact that you decided to take a hard pass on Andre the Giant. I didn't, it wasn't, so I will say, and again, this is not a, a Game of Thrones like down at all. Yeah. Um, it even took me a long time to see Lord of the Rings. Cause like when it gets into like the fantasy realm, like, you know, dragons and wizards and witches things, it's, it's not necessarily my favorite type of story. So like, I've only seen all the Lord of the Rings movies once and I didn't even rush to theaters to see them. I saw them after they got a lot of attention. So same thing, like Game of Thrones, when it came out and when everybody was talking about it, like, I'm sure I'll eventually end up watching it, but it's, it's just that type of story doesn't necessarily... Like a heist movie, I'm in. I don't care who's stealing what, I'm in. It's just a format that I like, whereas we, we all have those. So, which is part of the reason that I haven't. The Princess Bright has it. I does, and I've, I've heard about it for some love. It's a movie that has aged really well. I, everybody loves it. I don't necessarily think it's, but Princess Bride's flirting with a, I mean, it's definitely a cult classic. It's like a cult classic, it's like top five. I agree with you. It's like, it's to the point where it's flirting with like one that's going to make a lot of those lists, but yes, I agree. All right. Uh, Next honorable mention is Step Brothers. Nice. Got to have Will Ferrell movie. I got another one coming up. I have Will Ferrell movie (laughs) in mind as well. But you're right. Like most people would say Anchorman or whatnot. Like, Yeah. yeah, that's not going to get listed in a. And then my last honorable mention is Top 5. It's a Chris Rock movie. I'm not familiar with that one either. I, Isn't that where he's a comedian? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. I've seen that one then. I it's, just <laughs> it's mostly based around well, – it's not based around, but it deals with top five rappers of all time. Okay. He goes, he's a comedian who's starring in this movie or starred in a movie, and he's having some problems – Anyway, it goes back to New York, and it's a day in his a day spent with him, and he goes through all these places, and each place he goes to, it's, the question is, what's your top five? It's okay. always a top five rapper, so that's why I liked it, but there's also some of the greatest cameos, because you got... Uh, DMX is in that, isn't yes, it? Yes. That is probably the best yeah, that's cameo right. ever. Because <laughs> he's in jail, and he's just... <laughs> And then you got Jerry Seinfeld in a strip club. With oh, really? Oh, God. It's, it's an amazing. I, I was like, hip hop is another thing I'm kind of late to the party on, even though like I grew up with 90s hip hop and I remember like the, 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 when it exploded, 
it's not something that I've actually found until more recently is like, wow, this is actually really good. Like I didn't listen to it back in the day at all. So I'm like, I'm kind of rediscovering. So there's a lot of these things that just were never on my radar. So I have to ask you, because I already know Brad's answer. Do you listen to the rewatchables at all? I'm not familiar with that. Okay. It's a pod. Okay. You definitely should start tomorrow. Okay. Okay. And then I would tell you, you can pick whatever one you want. But essentially what they do is they take a movie uh-huh. and they pick it apart. Okay. And it's really good. So um, I kind of, not loosely, but I did do some, So because I, I got went on Rotten Tomatoes, got some grosses and everything. So, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Got some homework. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. So um, you already know my one, 8 Mile. And the only reason 8 Mile I put out of the top five uh-huh. is it didn't win an Oscar for something. So Because I, I didn't know at the time. No, so. fair enough. That's okay. Um, also, my um, I went to Mean Girls. So, like, Mean Girls, like Tina Fey. Yes. Launched Lindsay Lohan's career. It's this week's rewatchables. Yeah, I know. Oh, so, Mean Girls holds up. It really kind of does. Yeah. And in fact, Mean Girls scared me because I think if you look at, like, the top movies of the 2000s. It was probably up there. Yeah, Mean, mean Girls is, like, in the top three. Yeah. So, like, I was like, it's kind of mainstream. But with that being said, when you go... All-time movies, I don't think Mean Girls ever gets brought up as an all-time movie. I would agree. Yeah. There's a guilty pleasure movie along those lines that I have that I'm actually not going to mention right now yeah. because I know Sam, I think, is going to want it. So, like, our, our newest episode of the the Life Without Limits coming up, um, we had a bunch of people submit questions. So oh, nice. Sam's going to do a little Q&A for me, and I have a feeling she's going to bring this up. So, Oh, my God. Can I, I, I give somebody a question? Yes. Oh, my God. We're, so, as long as it's before tomorrow at 2. I'm going to ask you the best Batman question on the planet. Throw it out there. Why'd you cry in your own pod? <laughs> anyway. Send it to Sam. Last one. Spirited Away, which is, I don't know. Nothing I told matter. Brad, this was my reference because I felt like I had a, if I had the opportunity to echo my first top five, uh-huh. my top five movies of all time. Yeah. This was it. So this is an anime Japanese movie. Okay. Uh, one of the greatest movies of all time. But yeah, that's it. So Very that's cool. it. Those are my honorable mentions. You want to do your honorable mentions? No, actually, I'm, I'm going to go straight into the five. Okay. Because... Last time I got two lists, so I feel like a little spoiled. So I didn't want to. No, you're fine. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then I'll start it off. And my number five is Anchorman. Okay. My Will Ferrell movie. It's probably the funniest comedy I've ever seen. It. It's gonna be hard to argue. I mean, all the quotes that oh. we still use. And- and how, yeah, how would we you just did it in the Yes. How would you know that they were? So when Anchorman 2 came out, I almost didn't see it because I'm like, that first movie was lightning in a bottle. Like it shouldn't have worked and it did. It was something unique and funny and magical and everything else. I'm like, this is not going to, like, you're trying to read, you can't. And of course it wasn't anything. And it's like, for that reason, like I never saw Joe Dirt 2. I never saw Zoolander 2. So that would be a good rewatchable to start with. Anchorman. Oh, it's okay. But so that was a pretty good one. But I agree. That movie's that movie's legit. And it, yeah, it, it it's never gonna. I feel like it changed It'll be part of my life for the rest. But of it the also world. like changed comedy. Like think yes. about all the movies that came out after that, and they were they were not things were not the same after Anchorman in terms of yeah. comedies in general. Number five for me is National Treasure. Well done. So, um, can I tell you though, like such, 
a bad taste with how the second one ended. <laughs> yes. And then those sons of bitches, like that was a decade ago. And Nothing. And they and then you, if you go to the internet all the time, like every random six months, they'll. Oh, National Treasure 3 might get green light. Yes. And, like, and I'm like, you can't do that. You yeah. can't leave such a ridiculous cliffhanger yeah. with no resolution. Yeah, like, I, you suck. What's interesting is my favorite National Treasure tidbit is, is one of the few movies where I actually thought the sequel was just as good, if not better, than the first movie. I would agree with that statement. So, yeah. I haven't seen either. Well, no, that, that's okay. I'm just saying, it has, like, it's a history. It's got heist. It's, so, I love those movies where you're like, hey, are you smart as me? Am yes. I smart as you? Like, can you figure it out type of thing? And So one of mine kind of echoes that. Like, I like when you take something, you're like, hey, this thing that everybody knows, but what if it happened this way? <laughs> yeah. And just a couple little totally, like, believable mm-hmm. tweaks that you're like, yeah. So I love that. It's like they took something. I, I thought that movie was super clever. I dig it. And Nicholas Cage's hair. <laughs> yeah. Entertaining by itself. Yeah. All right. Number five. Uh, I'm going to go with Boondock Saints. Easily a top five cult movie. Easily. Oh. In the, yeah. We just rewatched it not too long ago. Another one that like, if you're listening to this, if you haven't seen it, there is a sequel. Don't watch it. Yeah. Just stay with the first one. But... It, I had a friend who gave that to me for like a birthday or a Christmas or something. And it was literally out of like the $1.99 Walmart bin, like back in, this is pre YouTube and internet where you actually had to buy movies and give them to people. And they're like, it just said like brothers, killers, saints. It sounded like something you'd like. It was complete shot in the dark. I'd never heard of it. And it was one of those like five minutes in, you're like, this is amazing. Yeah. This is just so, so, so good. Loved it. Every second of it. And it holds up. Great movie. Great movie. I would say they kind of try to do that movie like different ways now. They try to re- oh, yeah. they, they repackage it. Yeah. So, but it, yeah, it just, just, it was just clever. Like one of my movies echoes in some way. That's so, yeah, go ahead. Great. Number four. Now we can talk about John Singleton. <laughs> All right. I like it. It's, I don't know. It's the life of kids in Compton. Just how rough they have it, I guess. I love the cast. Oh, yeah. The cast was amazing. Cuba Gooding Jr. was amazing in that. Um, So you're not going to be shocked with this, based on my previous statement, but also something I've never seen all the way through. And that doesn't surprise me, as you said, the hip-hop thing, and then it's all kind of coming together. Um, I have seen Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. So... That, I feel like I've already have you seen, seen it. Menace to Society. No, no, it's tough. This is, but with <laughs> yeah. this, so Boys in the Hood has been like I've got a lot of movies in there. <laughs> it's it's kind of been on my list. Like I need to watch that because it's talked about a lot, and I can guarantee you, not only with his passing, but with this conversation, it's going to be watched within the next three months. Every time you do do that to me, I'm just going to think of all the times where I see you in India and India will pull on your sleeve and go, "It's Steve." <laughs> I'm gonna think because those are the moments I was like, oh man, I fucking love that kid. But right now, every time you upset me, I'm just gonna think like, oh, it's Steve. All right, so. um, man, oh my. Number four is old school. Okay, so it's another movie we're constantly quoting. Yes, hundred percent. Um. I think it's either old school or Anchorman, for lack of a better term, Apex Mountain for Will Ferrell. 
So probably Anchorman, honestly. But um, I think Anchorman was the apex. Yeah, but um, really good stuff. Um, yeah, I love Jeremy Piven's character. <laughs> Jesus, <It's> so funny. <laughs> I mean, I like Jeremy Piven. Like, if so. you remove him from Entourage, I'm no longer interested. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like he just, him and Floyd. Well, that's a great example. Could that movie in in today's airspace, like the way Jeremy Piven treats Floyd. Yeah. Because he was a caricature. Yeah. He was like, his character was so verbose because he's poking fun at this, you know, asshole agent that like everybody wants to hate yeah. like that was the the character was like a voodoo doll you yeah. know it was the one that you could be like oh you suck and yeah. you're like and then but that, and that was the best he played that so well because he you'd be like oh my god he's so terrible oh man he's so awesome oh okay. my god is he oh man that's so it's the tony soprano yeah. like that's why sopranos worked is because you'd find yourself rooting for tony and then he'd do something so horrible to remind you oh you're you're a bad guy <laughs> but then he'd win you back um, speaking of, no, I was listening to Joe Rogan and I really enjoy when they talk about like the architecture of stand up comedy because it's something I know nothing about. And it's just, I feel like stand up comedy is this thing that like we see this, but there's this whole world behind it that we don't even know exists. And they were talking about like just some greats and people that were just so good. And they started talking about Chappelle and they're like, Chappelle is so good. He will purposefully like lose the room just to win him back. Like he will purposefully like say something super offensive or something super stupid just because it's too easy. It's too easy. Like he's got them. They're just eating out of his hand. He's like, he will lose them and piss them off just so he can win them back. He's that good. And he does it every time. Yeah. I was like, that's fascinating. No, I don't know four. where that came from. Sorry. Oh, no, four. It's good. Um, so this is akin to National Treasure in terms of taking something and just taking a unique spin on it. And some people might be pissed at me for this one, but Dogma. Oh, no. I could watch and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch that movie over and over and over. Have a Kevin Smith movie. It's just so clever. And like, and I mean, I know in the pantheon of Kevin Smith movies of which I'm a huge fan, probably a lot of people go with clerks or, you know, dogma to me was like this. It was clever. Like it was a great story. It was well written. It also was funny. Like it just had a lot. There was a lot going on there and I dug all of it. And the cast was amazing. I mean, it was a ridiculous cast. Unbelievable. And I like that they called they, he makes God a female. Yeah. I mean, just little subtle things like that where it's just like, I'm, I'm just going to question everything that you believe in. Everything. Everything that you've Every grown to believe in. aspect. Yeah. Chris Rock was Rufus, the 13th apostle, yeah. who he left out of the Bible because he was black. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, just, I'm in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like, I'm, I'm going to challenge everything you've known. Everything. Yeah. It's yeah. great. I, yeah. So I, I really dug that movie. I was in high school when I first saw that. Like, we were at a party or someone's house, and it was playing in the background. And then uh, after a little bit, like... I. I'm not paying attention to anybody else. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. This is really good. And yeah. So I I dig that movie. He gave us buddy Jesus. Buddy, buddy Christ. Buddy Christ. Buddy Christ. George Carlin. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back. All right. Now my number three is glory. Holy fuck, Brad. Really? That's (laughs) a great pull. I feel dumb about my pull now because that one is such a good right. But mine is still good. And it's, <laughs> it's all right. Great pull. Story of Super Massachusetts. Pull. 54th Massachusetts Regiment, an all-black regiment, and one 
or Denzel won his first Oscar. So I just, I love the movie. It's deep and funny at times. Yeah. Super good. Um, I remember watching that in my teenage years and I was just like, wow, that's kind of crazy. I feel like my Bloomfield's showing because I've also not seen that. No. Your Bloomfield's <laughs> trying to, hey, it's Steve. <laughs> All right. Um, Brad, you got to give me a list. Number three. <laughs> Ocean's Eleven. The reboot. Sorry. So I love caper movies, like heist movies. Yeah. And they did it in such a way that not only, I mean, I, I love 11, 12, and 13. I love them for individually. I love them together. I love that. I just I like all of them. I just, I like how the cool kids, I like the way it's direct. I just like everything about it. So. What's not to like? Yeah. Like, I mean, even the weakest of the franchise was still awesome. Yeah. So. And really clever. I do. I. I, I so love when that level of misdirection happens on film. Yeah. And which is why I was so disappointed with Ocean's 8 because I feel like it had such potential. It was just not. We talked about this in Endgame to the people that someone else, I have another friend that saw it. Mm-hmm. There's a certain weirdness when you are almost, when you could feel like the director is scared to trust the actor or actress interesting just to let him go and yeah. say hey you know what you don't need to do this because and that's a great example those girls could have carried that movie i think so it was an amazing guest yeah. you didn't have to but do it also it's like it felt like the script was kind of phoned in you yeah. know i mean if you look at how how clever the other one and i don't know if the creative team had any crossover or whatever or they're just trying to make a buck off the name or whatnot but i think new york's a hard area to do it too um, if you kind of think about the other, where I mean, it's probably the perfect idea, but it, maybe it was just poor execution. Again. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, it was lacking in something. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I think part of the problem was is, um, was the Met right? Where I think they, I think so. Heist. It, maybe it would have been better if one maybe like the Empire State Building or just part of the beauty of these those movies, at least the which is 11, 12, 13, is you kind of had a familiarity with well, a little bit of it, or they did a better job of explaining where the vault was and what's going on here. Yeah, that's true. And I think you just didn't know enough <laughs> about the Met where you're like, I don't know, maybe they should have done it at the um, the museum where all the night at the museums were held at or something. So just something where you were a little more familiar with it. Or- but like coming off Ocean's 13 where they had like 15 different cons running simultaneously and achieved 18 different objectives. Like it was so layered. Yeah. And then we go back to like, we stole jewels. Yeah. I don't know. And what's just weird missing something. too is like they did it in such a way, especially with 12 where, uh, or in 13 where they like bring in Linus's parents. Yeah. And you were like, oh, I didn't even see that coming. Like right. it was just like they were, yeah. It was great. Yeah. I like the fact that they threw it back a little bit to like an eight oceans eight where Sanders like, where uh, yes. he's like, you know, and I like the fact that it kind of alludes to the maybe he's still alive. Right. Yeah. You know, so, all right. So yeah, that was my number three. That's a good one. That's a good one. You ready for this number three? I'm ready. You sure? I'm all I know is that Brad's number three beat mine, smashed the crap out of it, but I'm still proud of my number three. And it's all right. So, all right. Sandlot. Nice. Super good. 
<laughs> Good poll. So I, out of the threes, I have the weakest three. I know that now, and I'm okay with that, though. Again, I'm still proud it's of it. List. Yeah, it's my list. I'm still proud of it. Great movie. It just, yeah, that will hold up forever. And whether you're eight or 80 and anywhere in between, and it's, yeah, it's yeah. just great. I feel like, I was going to say The Sandlot's kind of like the Goonie of our generation, but Goonies was also in our generation. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Yeah, Sandlot was just another one of those perfect movies. It was just kind of a perfect movie. I don't know like what about it makes it any different than any other one, but yeah, everybody as part of their citizenship should have to watch the Sandlot. I think what those type of movies do really well is it somehow resonates with you of being a child, having friends. And maybe not wanting to grow up, or when you lose that, there, right? There's something older. nostalgic about yeah, there's it, something and in there that resonates with each person. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a good one. I dig it. I'm so excited to see your number two, but I think I kind of saw your list, but I purposely blanked it out. Did you? Well, I know the one's coming, and I'm ready for it. So whenever you want to do it, just go ahead. I think it's right. My now. next one is the documentary. Yeah. Who so, Yeah. Super solid pick. I saw that. I was like, that's a good pick. Yeah. Probably the best documentary I've ever seen. I was surprised that I haven't seen this one either. Not at all. <laughs> you, one could argue it was the greatest documentary of all time. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't even nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. For best documentary. Who, um, what's the premise? Uh, follows William Gates and Arthur Agee from two. freshman in high school to their senior year. There okay. are two kids in Chicago. Yeah. Chicago's urban city, Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they're both... Their freshman year, they're both being shipped out to the suburbs for this academy where Isaiah Thomas went. Okay. And the first one of the first scenes you see Arthur Agee playing Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. In basketball, and then just follows their lives through the four years and what happens to him. I mean, William Gates tears his ACL a couple times, and Arthur Agee has to move back to a public school. All this and just interesting. It's sad and it's like the ugly side of what these kids, some of these kids, have to go through. Like when you're talented and but you see, like when they go to the suburb school and mm-hmm. where they, it's mm-hmm. just like it's nuts. And what's even more crazy at the time is like not that people weren't doing documentaries because they've all people have always done documentaries, but I felt like it was a real. It was at the time unprecedented to see somebody like fall around kids like that, yeah. especially for that period of time. Like that, that's an undertaking. Yeah, that's not an easy story to tell. Yeah. My number two. You ready? I would argue that it's probably one of the greatest movies of all time, only because of what it's done. Fast and Furious. I don't know if any single movie has launched more money. I would have to add it all up. It's a lot of money. A lot of money. So I remember vividly seeing the first one in the theaters. And dare I say, much better on video than it actually did in theaters. And then, of course, really? they launched the, the whole. Yeah. That's- Somehow those movies, too, like, forgive me because I'm going to like screw up the pantheon yeah. that is them, but it was like first one great, second one meh. And then was third one Tokyo Drift? Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. And then there was, what's the fourth one? Fast, the Fast and Furious. 
at that point, it's like they found some foothold and it just started getting stronger from there on out. Like the further in they got, they, I, I don't know, like they figured out some formula. Well, they said, oh, you're going to, Brad knows this because he listens to the rewatchables, but. Is that one on there too? Fast Five is. Okay. Well, Fast and Furious and Fast Five. Okay. Fast Five, they say, they make the argument Fast Five is one of the greatest movies of all time because of everything that it re it reset that franchise. It saved That's it, true. You know, and then you have the Was rock. that the one that like Lenny was dead, but then was back alive? Was that, they showed her at the end of that, at the end of it. That's yeah. right. In the file. And then there was rock. The rock yes. That was when they introduced That's the when rock. They, when hops came out. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Those are Again, good. not going to be on any type of. No, but that's true. I mean, like you do, you have to think significant impact and money. Like, I think it's always weird when you sit there and really think about like The Godfather and all these other movies. I mean, they're great in their own right. Yeah, but no one ever talks about the money. That's a good like, point. I mean, and like, I mean, billions upon billions. I mean, like the MCU is what you just talked about. Yeah, the amount of money that oh, it's insane. The Fast and Furious franchise has made is that's just true. Obnoxious. That is and true. And the thing is, just off this little Tudor car movie that just, but and I I love it. But to me, it's just like just candy. I can just sit there and eat it all day. And if one comes on and it doesn't matter which one, at what I'm part? Shaky on, um, I'm a little shaky on the fourth one and the eighth one, but I'll still watch them all. I'll sit down and watch them. I, yeah, I agree. Like you can hop in at any point. Yeah. There's not a lot of plot to catch up on. No, these cars go fast. But that goes, this brings up the point, as you said, it, it's all about the original point break. So that's essentially what it is. It's yep. an undercover cop that goes yep. in and gets a part of it. And then, gosh, you're right. Yeah, so it all comes <laughs> back down to point break. So, but so right. it all comes back to Johnny Utah. Yeah. Keanu Reeves. So He's he's the cornerstone of modern America's cinema. I, I mean, you could easily. You could make it. that argument. Yeah. I'm not joking. I wonder if there's like a three degrees of <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Of all it's the not, it, but it transcends that. It's something else. Like. Between Point Break and Bill and Ted and Speed and The Matrix, like all of these were movies that things changed after them. Yes. Like action movies were different after Speed because it was so ridiculous. And everything was different after The Matrix. And like, here's this dude with his thumbprint on all of them. Yeah, they were talking about, I was reading about The Matrix where he's like, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to shoot the scene. We're going to put 100 cameras in a circle. And then we're going to shoot the scene like that. People are like, what? what? What are you talking about? Shooting, no. Like, why would you want to even John do Wick? Yeah. Like, again, another, like, even now, yeah, he's John still Wick doing it. Coming out. It's going to be cool. Just bought the two, first two. Have last you watched them? No, I need to. Oh, you haven't seen them? No. You're, so I bought them. I'm you're sorry. Really I'm just excited that you haven't yeah. seen something yeah. and I can, like. And you're for such a treat. Yes. You are in for a treat. Oh, really my gosh. Especially that first one. Yeah. Like, I had. Someone right, they're like, you got to check this movie out. And I saw it on a plane and it was one of those rare moments. So I'm on a plane and I finish it and hit play again <laughs> and just watch the whole thing right again. I'm like, yep, let's go. <laughs> I got 45 minutes. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. So I watched it twice straight through. Number two. number two is going to be True Romance. Ooh, nice. uh, for people who might not know, this is, it's not a Tarantino movie. He did. Write it, he wrote it. It was the first script that he ever sold, but he is not directed by Tarantino. Um, it definitely feels Quentin. I mean, yeah, when I found that, I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And it's it's a simple film. There's nothing crazy about it. It's just good. It's 
quirky. It's got Tarantino type dialogue and the most ridiculous cast in any movie ever known. Yeah. Gary Oldman, Samuel Jackson, uh, James Gandolfini, Patricia Arquette, Michael Rappaport, Brad Pitt, Val Kilmer. I, it, the best part too is all of uh, Christian Slater is the main star. All of these massive actors are in a half a scene. And I would say one of the greatest scenes like ever in cinema history is when Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken are talking in Dennis Hopper's trailer. So Dennis Hopper, remember who was played Christian Slater's dad, who was a retired cop and is like a security guard, or whatever. And Christopher Walken is Christopher Walken. He's some like mob guy. And it's the only scene Walken's in. And they do this like little dance where they're talking. He's like, tell me where your son is. And you know, he's not going to tell him. And if you haven't seen it, like, it's just great. Like it's one of those, like you can cut the tension with a knife and just the dialogue is just buttery smooth. And it is just, I think it's the best thing I've ever seen Christopher Walken do. And it's just one of my favorite scenes in movies ever. I love that movie. Never seen it? No, I have. I just, I don't own it. Like so, it's one of those ones where I want to watch it. Yeah, and I don't. I don't have an ability to watch it. I don't think it's on anything that I probably not. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Brad's got. Brad's got the hookup. All right. And plus, first half of the movie's in Detroit. So, right. That's a good point. <laughs> all right. Oh man, we're in some lofty air right now. So yeah. I have high expectations for all. Mine might let you down. Mine's gonna be weird, but that's what I love about it. So. Uh, that's yeah. All right. Well, mine is. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. All right. Probably the greatest martial arts movie ever made. And I love my martial arts movies. I, you know how sometimes like when you see a movie dictates like how you see a movie. And I saw that movie at the worst possible time. Like it had already won all this stuff and everybody was talking about it. And I, I never watched martial arts movies. I wasn't into them. I didn't understand the genre. So I'm coming into this thing brand new. And all I know is everybody's talking about this movie. And I was like, what is this? Like, it just completely was not, I, my expectations were unfair and they weren't realistic. And it just, yeah. So it's, it's really a bummer because I feel like it's a great film and I missed out on it just because of these weird expectations that I have because of how, when I saw it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, Changed martial arts movies. Oh, I was going to say. You don't get to Matrix without that. I don't think. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think this was after the Matrix. I thought it was before. No, because I was a freshman in college. I'm going to IMDB it. I'm on it. A couple things. Two movies in my life. Well, three movies in my life impacted. Like, So Enter the Dragon. Okay. Crouch Attack, Your Hidden Dragon. And then Ninja Assassin. And Ninja Assassin only a, impacted me because it, it was a bloody movie. But it was so it, cool. It gave me that when you watch martial arts movies up into Ninja Assassin, I mean, without Tarantino, of course, but when they would cut people and everything, there'd be a little bit. I mean, Ninja Assassin went over the top. Of like, you were just like, and, 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 and so many times you would watch a um, kung fu movie, you're like, well, I mean, if they sliced open, there'd be a lot more blood than that, than the way it came out. And Ninja Assassin filled that like. What? Don't you think if somebody got their head cut off, there'd be blood everywhere? And then it was like Punisher War Zone. Yeah. <laughs> like if Punisher existed, this is what it would look like. Yeah. Not this Thomas Jane nonsense. Yeah. I stand corrected. It was two thousand, and Matrix was ninety nine. You're right. I could have swore it came out after. It. Uh, I'm not gonna challenge the throne anymore. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Just so good, really good. And I, I'm gonna movie I know, and so I mean, like, um, yeah. 
I gotta hear me say anything about that. David, it's your number one. It's really good. My number one movie. Did I tell you this yet? Oh, Pool Hall Junkies. Oh, so like yes. a Christopher Walken movie. Yes. And I think if anyone who's watching this, I'm hoping like I'm guessing 75 percent of the people have not seen this movie. I would agree. So, but again, I think that's part of what makes it so good. Oh, go it's, watch it. Yeah, it's like like half the people you can't even find it. Like for a while, there, Alice and I were gonna sell our movies online. Yeah. So let's just get rid of them. We're yeah. purging. So she was scanning all these movies are like Fast and Furious, 75 cents, 75 cents, 75 cents. She scans this one movie. She goes, holy shit, this movie's 20 bucks. I was like, what movie is it? She goes, Paul Junkies. Oh, that one stays. That's not going anywhere. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, that one stays and there's a reason it's worth 20 bucks. Okay. She's like, and then she was like, that's weird. Like probably because you can't find it. And there's just probably right. So few copies of it. And I'm sure somebody will put it out digital. Such a great movie. Yeah. Um, And one of those, like even I forget about it. Yeah, I mean, even until you just mentioned, I'm like, oh my god, I haven't seen that in forever, and yeah, man, it's good. Fight. Again, another hustle movie, like so, and it's just like Christopher Walken's amazing in it. A lot of cool dialogue yeah. and everything. So yeah, yeah, I would highly recommend if if anybody hasn't seen that, like seek it out. Yeah, it's it's worth a watch. So yeah, it's my number one. Uh, my number one is Snatch. Nice and kind of almost the same type of. Yep. Yeah. I just like it's quirky. It's so character driven. It's clever. It like is it is, it is everything you could want in a movie. Smoking Aces kind of echoes it off of like oh now Agreed. modern day. Yes, version. yes, and I dig that. But like Snatch is one of those movies that you can watch a hundred times, and each time you're going to find something either new or different that you like about it, or something that just strikes you a different <clears throat> way, and. Like every character is just so well thought out and the introductions, the style it was shot in, like I, I will say, so my, my friend in college that introduced me to it um, when it came out made me watch Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels first. He's like, you have to watch it because he goes, if you watch Snatch first, you're not going to like this one. But if you watch this first, you're going to love it. And he was right. And so, so that was like Guy Ritchie's first big, big, big movie. And then Snatch was like first big kind of box office one, if you want to call it that. And he had some serious star power in it. It was a great cast. But yeah, it's just everything about that movie works. And it was smart and it was clever. And it's kind of back to like comic booky stuff. Like, you know, sometimes when all that ties together and just kind of meets at the end, you're just like, oh, love it. It's my list. That was super. Any surprises, griefs, quarrels? <laughs> no. I, I got a lot of I got a lot of movies to watch so that I can actually have a conversation. I learned a lot Brad. about you right today. I told you my uh, Bluefield showing. I know it is, but I'm not judging you silently, maybe. But I mean, just um, it's good stuff though. <laughs> Some really good movies are there. <clears throat> All right, we'll take a break. What are you doing this weekend? Well, Thursday night is supposed to be the first Sunrise Shriekers group run. So hopefully that'll... At the river? Yes, 6.30 at the river behind the cellar restaurant, which isn't there anymore. But anyway, 6.30 there Thursday night if it's not raining. And then Friday, I don't know. Maybe I'll go to the movies. Maybe I'll wait till Saturday. Take the kids. Saturday is the break a leg 
5K for the theater. Get those tickets. You know, Tigers tickets are available and Hamilton tickets. So. And Sunday, I don't know. Let's see. Since Joe leaked it on the pod, I don't mind talking about it. Even though before it was shrouded in mystery, and I know you well, and it's I still sort of shrouded. Yeah, in but you and I, but we'll let it be a podcast exclusive thing. Jeff shared with me that he's like in the sixties with pre-registered. He, you know, he wanted seventy-five from us, and we're at sixty. He's like, for a race to have sixty pre-registered, he's gonna have a great, great showing Saturday. I don't even care if I run at this point now. <laughs> I just want to go there and see all those people. Because that's, I'm going to get, you and I both, we're going to get a lot of that gratification at that moment, yeah. seeing all those people there, and that's going to yeah. do my soul a lot. I still have that gratification, because I saw Jeff yesterday, because I wouldn't register. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was all happy. As we sick did. as he is. We did our job. Yeah, we, yeah, so maybe, so Brad donated Tiger's tickets, I donated Hamilton tickets. We were challenged by Jeff. Jeff's a friend of ours, we grew up, got close to him, he's like, I, well, I always tell him I want to help. You know, what can I do to help you continue your mission? Because I think he's got a great mission. And he's like, and then he's like, well, I'll call upon you when the time's needed. And I'm like, you know, type of thing. Like, I want to. So he randomly texted me, what, six weeks ago? A month ago? It's about a month ago. Yeah, about a month ago. He's like, so I got a mission if you choose to accept it. I want 75 pre-registered or 100 people at my at the 5K. And Brad, last year, and I ran it together. And Brad ran it the year before. Um, and then we've done that. So that feels good. Nice. I'm super juiced about it. Yeah. It's usually a good time. It's as good of a time as you can have being running, which is sometimes a miserable experience. kind of cool, too. Yeah, along that river, it could be windy. You just don't know what you're going to get but I will tell you, for the my listeners, I will have a cake at the day I'm waiting for you. So I'm going to buy a big sheet cake since it's Meg's and my birthday almost. Yeah. Oh, and there's, your fundraiser's going pretty well on Facebook. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? But I don't know. Did you, did you see that? No. So you ever see that? Hey, it's your birthday. Do you want to do a fundraiser? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see that every – for the past couple of years, I'm like, that doesn't really work. And then every once in a while, I always see a friend do it, and they're always like, this person's raised twenty five dollars, and like no one does it. So I was like, and then Facebook said something. Like, Steve, do you want to do it? We'll give you a small donation to start it. And Brad was with me. I was kind of that was a dollar. You were wondering. Yeah, I was kind of a little bit had a couple in me, and uh, I was like, ah, yeah, let's do it. And then three hundred fifty five dollars later, no way. Here, here we are with since Saturday. Since Saturday, <laughs> so it's like. Why two different times I've had to change the goal like once and then I was like, well, I might as well just make it a thousand bucks even so that way I don't have to go back in there and, and change, change it again. again. Right. Like, wow. So it's uh one part well it's hundred percent part generosity of Alpina. Wow. But it's another part like I've worked hard at social media, so like I mm-hmm. make people see it, which mm-hmm. is a lot of it. So Yeah, that's true. Uh what else? Sunday. Sunday's your birthday. I'm going to change it right here. So when I uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit right now. So um, what's going to Casey? What are you doing this week at Casey? Uh, I'm in Cleveland. Ooh. Training? Yeah, I'm t- teaching a TRX course on Sunday. So I'll fly out Saturday afternoon and then Sunday and then fly home Monday. Nice. Yeah. 
And you'll think you'll hopefully go to a fancy. Theater. Oh, I will. I will. So either Saturday night when I get there or Sunday night after the course. Um, it's an all day. So it, we usually start around 830 in the morning. It goes to around five. Super jealous. I think I would feel a lot differently about that movie if I would have been in a much comfortable spot. So I told you we were, we were down, we were in Detroit this weekend and we packed a lot of stuff in. So I was like, do I want to add one more thing? And plus like to take a family of four to a nice theater, like it's like a hundred bucks. Yeah. So I'm like, so we had a bunch of other stuff like that we were doing and spending money on and whatnot. So I'm like, yeah, it's not the time. It does, I don't want to shoehorn it in. So luckily I had another trip coming up and like, I'll do, I'll do the nice theater. I think that's my other problem with, I mean, we don't charge as much as they do downstate, but it's close enough where you're going to charge that much for a ticket. I've got to step it up. I know. Yeah. So it's like any other thing. Like, you don't have to fix the theater. You don't. But then they'll knock it down to like right. a couple bucks. Right. But I get it. So, all right. So this weekend, Thursday, I will not be the group run. I don't know. Because we have the meat raffle, which sounds, I know, really gross. But it is what it is. So there's the hospital fundraiser where at the Fresh Palette every year where you go and then <clears throat> you donate money and then you come with plates of meat. This is, sounds like it's up your alley. But anyways. <laughs> I'm going trout fishing Friday. Yeah. <clears throat> and then um, Friday night. I don't know. When, I thought it was something was going on Friday. Saturday we have the Thunder Bay. Friday is the thing that hurt and lost. Canvas, cork and canvas. Yes, but I thought they had something else going on. But anyways, I'm so just giving a shout out for that. I, Justin appreciates that. Um, and then we got um, the 5K, and then the birthday parties, <clears throat> and then I was supposed to go out to town Sunday. I am not now, so Alice is working the basket case. <clears throat> so I'm in town now. So we wanted to figure out maybe something we could kind of work on that a little bit. But whatever. So yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Kind of a low key weekend. Kind of working, been working to this the whole time. So hopefully everybody comes out and supports the race. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Yep. So, all right. Casey, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having I me. I think we had our first two-hour podcast. Yeah. We're well over two hours now. And I'm excited by it. <clears throat> that. I'm excited to uh, finish up our in-game conversation. Yeah. So we will, next week, we'll figure out a time, and then we'll sit down with you. Sit down, chat. We'll deep dive in-game. And maybe just kind of the Marvel MCU universe. I'm in. Um, and then we'll just figure out, we'll just do it with you and how we want to do it. Let's do it. You have a login, right? For this anchor. You sure. Your login. Yeah. So we can just, do it. <laughs> we, yeah, I'm just, we can just do it here again is what I'm saying. We could just oh, do yeah, perfect. We'll just perfect. here, you'll just log in your stuff onto it. And Sounds like a plan. I'm in. Awesome. Thanks for listening. I don't, oh, I think next weekend we're going to have the gang on, but I don't know that for a fact because they are buttheads. So that's all. Yeah. Can't talk us again last minute. Yeah. No, I just don't. Yeah, that's the thing. So, oh, and I forgot to say, I am, as your wife knows, I know she told you, I'm working on that documentary now. How crazy is that? Is that the dumbest thing that you've heard me do? <laughs> the second dumbest thing. I'm going to tell you the dumbest thing. I've ever water. Yes. I'm going to tell you the second, I'm going to tell you the dumbest thing that I've come up with after, because I don't want to share with people it's all that. <laughs> so, but yeah. Anyways, so I was gonna do this little thirty-second fish mural thing for the install, and the, and then I interviewed Tony, and it was so cool. And then I interviewed your wife, and it yeah. was awesome. I interviewed Justin, and I was like, and I'm trying to, how am I gonna get this thing down to even two minutes? And I was like, Justin's like, don't, don't, just make it what it is. So now yeah. I have this list, the laundry list of people I've 
interviewed and I'm going to keep interviewing a couple more and we're going to put it all together and it's just going to be this little story about the fish mural. And, awesome. Yeah. So whatever. You go to competitions like the big five dive. That's winning all these things. I'm not going to win nothing, but I mean, I'm still going to submit it. You're still the director. Yeah. You know, you're making know. it. Yeah. So, well, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs>